When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. A stoic Daniel Penny avoids the throng of cameras as he walks into Manhattan Criminal Court for today's arraignment. The newly unsealed indictment reveals two charges, second-degree manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. The 24-year-old Marine veteran pleaded not guilty to both charges connected to the chokehold death of Jordan Neely. On May 1st, 2023, Danny defended his fellow travelers. Air quality, that's the story over the next couple of days around here. Now, it's not bad for everybody. All right, we'll go through those numbers one more time. But it is into the unhealthy category for some of you, those who have respiratory issues or or elderly folks, uh, a child who has asthma, stuff like that. It is going to give them a tool that they can use for the rest of their lives. And the simplicity of it is just breathing. If you choose not to do the breathing exercise, that's fine. That's fine. Eventually, over time, you'll find your way. But we want to make sure that we build it into our everyday process of education. Today, the U.S. has the highest economic growth rate leading the world economies since the pandemic. The highest in the world. But guess what? Bidenomics is working. Grounded to third. Donaldson has it. What? 2023. Put your hair up. Get to leave. Eleven gallows on your sleeve. Shallow figure. Winners paid. Eleven shadows. Way out of place Standing too soon Shoulders high in the Standing too soon Shoulders high in the Standing too soon I mean, I love Ryan Wilco. I know him very, very well. He's a great kid and a great announcer. Great. But to say when Domingo Herman pitches a perfect game against one of the worst teams we've seen in baseball in many years, the lowly Oakland A's, to say we'll all remember where we were on June 20, 
I don't even know the date yesterday was. 29th, whatever it is, 2023, because Herman pitched a perfect game in Oakland is so ridiculous. Come on, Ryan. I mean, it's a big deal. Fourth perfect game in Yankee history, but no one's going to remember. Nobody. Where they were when Herman pitched a perfect game against Oakland. This is not, you know, the, the, the 9-11, you know where you are. This is not, even when John F. Kennedy Jr. died in Boston, I know where I was. We'll all know where we were. Are you nuts? Ryan Luoco. We were all sleeping, bro. Yeah, everybody was sleeping. Everybody on the East Coast was sleeping. And if you're not sleeping, then to be honest, outside of working, God bless you, you're a loser. Who's up? A bunch of coked up, drunk maniacs watching that Yankee A's game. Well, people who used to work here, maybe. Yeah, maybe. A bunch of those folks. We'll all remember where we were. Who's going to forget that one? That Vermont against yeah. Oakland. Came, right, in, came in, in at one thirty in the morning. Well, where the hell? And I love Ryan ah. again. He's a great announcer. But where's John Sterling? Well, he doesn't travel out to the West Coast. He doesn't travel that far anymore. Oh, he he'll go to like Boston or Philly or you know where. Like yeah. he'll, he'll travel on the East Coast, but he won't Got go. It. He won't go all the way out west. Do we still have the audio of John Sterling getting hit on the head by the? Uh, yeah, yeah for, for some. I, I can't hear that enough. That, <laughs> no, of course. But where, where where was Michael K? Why wasn't he? I there? don't know. Well, maybe he's on vacation right. July fourth yeah, next right. week. Right. Let me let me quote Curtis Slee was laugh. Because ah! <laughs> I, I love Ryan Rucco too, but I mean to not have K on that call is a missed opportunity. Whoa, whoa. Michael K at an Oakland A's broadcast? Yeah. Are you kidding? What do you mean by that? It wouldn't happen. In he does years. not he do, do any of the crappy teams. He oh, is that not, right? Oh, yeah, he doesn't. It's, yeah. Okay. It's, whether he would say that or not, I don't. Know. I have no and idea. I, and I love yeah. Michael K. Doing so, but games. so is he but, doing? His afternoon show with Don LaGreca and Peter Rosenberg, but not doing the Yankees? No. He or is he does, on vacation overall? I, I don't know. I don't know. know. I don't no, know. he has done his show and not done the Not done the Yankee game, right. Not well, done the right. road trips. And that's more of a testament to Rucco. Rucco's good. No, so Rucco's really so good. I, I love Ryan, but you to. just can't say, you know, game 80 of the regular season against the lowly Oakland A's. We'll all remember where we were yeah. on that day. You know where I was? I was watching my son, Gabriel, play basketball in Bell Harbor and couldn't give a rat's ass. Didn't even know the Yankees were playing the Oakland A's. And I'm a big sports guy. Where is the Sterling? I, just, I need to hear that. I, I, I need some comic relief. <laughs> Ryan Rocco. Get him on today, uh, Justin. See if he can uh, hop on with us. Who, Ryan Rocco? He's tired. Yeah. He just woke up. Yeah, he probably Never, is. Now he's pacing. Just he's, woke up. He's, he's going to be asleep until he's 1 p.m. He's in California. Right. So, um, again, that was the fourth perfect game in Yankee history. 99 was David Cohn. 98 was David Wells, and of course, you go back to game five of the 1956 World Series, Yankees and Brooklyn Dodgers, that's when Don Larson threw that perfect game, one of only two, I believe, in World Series history, but he's the only guy to do it by himself, because the second one, the Astros had like nine guys pitch. There may have been a no-hitter, I forget, against, I think, the Phillies, but either way, Larson, 56, 24th perfect game in the history of Major League Baseball. But none of that compares to this audio, which I still think is one of the great pieces in MLB history. This is John Sterling during a game, foul ball heading towards the booth, and here's what happened next. The belt. Now the 3-2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. 
So once again, it'll be a 3-2. Then he goes right back to once again, it'll be a 3-2. It's great audio. So congratulations uh, to Domingo. With the win, the Yankees uh, do improve to 44-36. and So if you're keeping score, that's now 80 games in, which means they've got 82 games to go. They still trail Tampa Bay by nine and a half inside the American League East. But if the season ended today... The Yankees would, in fact, be one of the two wildcard teams, along with the Baltimore Orioles, inside the American League. But the Yankee lead over Toronto, Houston, and the Angels is very, very slim. But as of now, the Yanks are eight over and a wildcard playoff team. You'll always remember where you were when Sterling got hit. With yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is true. More so yeah. than You're right. You're right. That's why I played it right there. Now, on the flip side, while the Yankees are 44 and 36, Turn that around, and you get 36 and 44. That's the Mets record. That's right. The Mets lost again. And like I said yesterday, if I would have told you $365 million payroll, that before July, it's not even July 1st, that before July the Mets would be trailing the Atlanta Braves by 17 games, you would have said I was nuts. But it's true. That didn't stop the owner, Steve Cohen, who right now, to me, looks a lot like Fred Wilpon. i got to tell you, this team isn't winning. They're embarrassing. They're playing bad baseball. A lot like Fred Wilpon. But Cohen did make his state-of-the-state team address yesterday. And the Mets still lost. But here is Met owner Steve Cohen. It's about 90 seconds sounding optimistic about his lousy Mets. I watch every game. I see what's going on. Um... And, um, you know, I mean, if you ask me, you know, would I have expected us to be in this position at the beginning of the season, the answer is no. (laughs) No. But here we are, and, you know, hopefully we can right the ship. And, and, uh, listen, we have quality players. Uh, For some reason or another, they're not yelling. When we pitch well, we don't hit. When we hit, we don't pitch well. Um, It's kind of weird. I mean, it's actually very strange to me. And I don't know if the players are anxious. Um, I don't know if they're pressing. I mean, I assume there's a, that's a little bit of that. We see a lot of mental errors that what I call enforced errors. I, you know, obviously we can clean that up. Um, we've lost games because of it. And, you know, there's nobody to blame, and it's really across the whole team. We know we're capable of doing it. And now we've got to string it together. And, you know, the problem is, you know, we're really at, you know, close to half the season. And so we don't have as much luxury of time as, as we have before. We still have time. The season's not over. I'm preparing my management team for all possibilities. You know, if we don't get better, you know, we have decisions to make at the trade deadline. And um, that's not my preferred end result. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing all contingencies. It's on the players, right? I mean... They're veterans. They've been there before. You know, I think they're you know, players that have done it, and we'll see if they can get their act together and, and string together some wins. Not a tale of two teams. The Yankees, Domingo Herman, a perfect game, holding on to a slim lead for the wild card playoffs, and that was Met owner Steve Cohen. The Mets are a disaster. All right, before we get to the Hunter Biden depot today, his father, that idiot speaking about the economy in Chicago yesterday. It's a big day for me today, folks. My acting career, which is young, very young, but exciting, takes off tonight. 
my very first acting opportunity came in a mob drama called Gravesend, which season one aired about three years ago when a buddy of mine named Larry Millian, a Miami radio guy, contacted me one day about a guy named William DeMeo. I'll never forget it. I was standing outside Madison Square Garden, just finished the show with my late great partner, Bernard, and he said, Sid, do you know about this show? And I said, no. And I didn't know who Willie DeMeo was. So he gave me Willie's number, and I called him. And DeMeo said, listen, I've been following your career for years at The Fan. I know you're back in New York. Can I promote my show on your show? And I said, sure. So Willie showed up one day with me and Bernard, did an in-studio interview, and he said to me, you know what? You got the look, man. You should be doing this. You're a Brooklyn guy. This series is all about Brooklyn, mid-1980s. I want to put you on. And true to his word, William DeMeo did it. And so I shot season two in both Miami and Brooklyn. It's nine episodes. I'm in five of the nine. Episodes one, two, five, six, and nine. Shot scenes with Andrew Dice Clay, William DeMeo, Victor Benteto, a whole bunch of folks. And uh, so tonight is the red carpet premiere for season two. And I believe season two, which will be on Amazon Prime, starts tomorrow, but it may be Monday. So either tomorrow or Monday, July 3rd, Episode 1, Season 2, Gravesend. But the big red carpet premiere tonight, all the big actors, Chaz Palmin, Terry, Vinny Pistori, Armand DeSante, Gina Gershon, Brand Drescher, Chris Mamondo, Peter Gordio, all going to be there tonight, going to be a great party, great party. And they've been putting clips on the Internet. Again, you can follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. You can follow me on Twitter at Sid Rosenberg and Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. And this clip, William DeMeo put up just a couple of days ago, and this is a very short clip, but here's where they introduce my character at a hotel in Miami. My character's name is Dave Busco, and here I meet Willie DeMeo. He plays Benny Z and the actor Leo Rossi. So here it is with the red carpet premiere going down on Long Island tonight for season two of Gravesend. Say hello to Dave Busco. No, I'm on fire today. Look at this. Well, one of those days. You have those days sometimes. No, you do. (laughs) Good thing we're not playing for money. You don't be a house by now. Look at these guys. Who's winning? Uh, you know who's winning. Benny, how are you? It's good hey. to see you. Hey, Davey. Mikey, how are you, buddy? How are you, Davey? Good to see good. you, too. How you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, the heat, it's hot. Other than the heat, I'm doing really, really good. By the way, Ronaldo's out there. He wants to talk to you. All right. All right. And if you watch the clip of that point, Ronaldo is played by Andrew Dice Clay, William DeMeo, Benny Z walks away, and ends up having a very interesting conversation outside the Miami Hotel and it's great stuff. So that uh, that's going on tonight. Again, in Studio 925 this morning, William DeMeo, his son Christian DeMeo, he's got a big role in this. And my dear friend, the terrific actor, Peter Gordio. You know, it's funny. Bo Deedle is in Studio 905 every Thursday morning yelling about Trump and Biden and Eric Adams and all that stuff. Bo Deedle has a major role in this show. In fact... The uh, the movie, which I shot, Gemini Lounge, which has been renamed Inside Man, that hits theaters all over the world August 11th. Bo's got a major role in that, too. So both of my Hollywood projects, Gravesend, the TV show, and Inside Man, the movie, Bo Deedle's got huge roles, and why not 
Bo is a great actor, so Bo will be in Studio 905 right before the three Gravesend guys. And Chris Marmondo, who I met in the trailer right before I shot my very first scene with Andrew Dice Clay, he'll be here tomorrow coming up at 925. But the news of the day, Joe Biden, he's out there yesterday outside the White House. And uh, he was in Chicago, too. Chicago bragging about how he's dealing with China, his economy, all complete nonsense. But before I left, he guessed, I guess uh, before he left, I should say, some reporter started yelling about Hunter. And that WhatsApp message where Hunter Biden said, basically, my father is sitting next to me, give us the money or else. And uh, that's going to be tough for the Bidens to explain away. But here's what it sounded like outside the White House yesterday with the idiot in charge, or as my mom would say, the creature in the White House. Lewis, Joe Biden, cut number one. President Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? Were you involved? No. <laughs> he wouldn't even answer it. But he did, uh, as I say in Chicago, talk about all this nonsense. Here in Chicago, he's bragging about meeting Mr. Chinese President, but he can't figure out if it was 68 times, 68 hours. Once again, a complete mess. Here's Biden talking about Xi Jinping, Lewis from Chicago, cut number two. I've long said, and I mean this, I was on the Tibetan Plateau with Xi Jinping. I traveled 17,000 miles with him. I've spoken with him more than any other state. Because it started when I was vice president, and President Hu was the president, and he was the vice president. We knew he was going to be successful. It was inappropriate for Barack to spend that time with him, but I, I spent a lot of time with him. I met alone with him, just he and I, and a simultaneous interpreter, 68 times, sure. 68 hours. Which one? 68 times. Which one? 68 hours. Which one? Hello. By the way, I turned in all my notes. Oh, God. In a matter of two seconds, four times, 68 times, or 68 hours. This is the guy you voted for, folks. This is the guy you walk around bad-mouthing Donald Trump, and this is the moron you voted for. I know Bill O'Reilly's coming up at 840. Nobody has more love and respect for Bill than me. He's my mentor, kind of his protege. Uh, Bill goes on and on about his cognitive issues. And that may be an example of a cognitive issue. But Hunter Biden, you know, being deposed today, and the millions that the Bidens have taken, Bill O'Reilly wants more proof. I don't need it. Joe Biden is a scumbag. Don't kid yourself. He's not an old, nice man, good father, good husband, cares about the country. He will sell the soul of this country for a nickel. He doesn't care. He's a scumbag. Forty years in office, he's never done anything but take money. That's it. Lives in a $9 million house. Don't tell me it's a cognitive issue. It goes well beyond that. He's a bad guy. Bad guy. Bad guy. All right. Huge show. About to come your way, 705 Curtis Sliwa, 740 Judge Andrew Napolitano, 810 live from England, Joseph Tacopina, 825 Noam Layden, 840 Bill O'Reilly, 
905 Bo Dito. 925 William and Christian DeMeo along with Peter Gordio. 940 Attorney Jason Goldman on this, your favorite talk show in New York. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively along with REM Talk Radio 77 WABC. Try to win Suit your needs Speak out sometimes Try to Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Again, coming up big, I imagine you're playing this song because with my red carpet Gravesend premiere tonight, the show Gravesend, it's a period piece, and it dates back to the mid-1980s in Brooklyn, actually later than this song. This song, of course, Saturday Night Beaver, I believe, was 1977, but we do go back to the mid-80s with the, uh, obviously, the five families and the mob and all that stuff. That's how Gravesend is set. And it is Brooklyn. <clears throat> and what's more Brooklyn than Saturday Night Fever? Is that why you played that? I'm just curious. I was envisioning you at this uh, premiere. Yes. Coming up dancing yes. you know, along the curb and coming up. There'll be none of that. And spinning. Why not? Sure. Why There's not? a red carpet. Maybe I'll do it there on the red carpet. Of course. I well, everybody, yeah. Maybe I will. you, you yeah. make Dave Busco come alive. <laughs> Dave Busco. You're funny. So uh, all the attorneys involved in every major case... Coming on this show the next two days. For example, Donald Trump, my guy, DJT, actually turned around and filed a defamation suit against E. Jean Carroll yesterday. I love that. Clearly, E. Jean Carroll is a liar. 
And the jury even said so because she did not get the only charge she talked about, rape. Now, a New York jury ain't going to let Donald Trump walk scot-free, so they gave him that nonsense second choice. And they fined him millions of dollars. But the truth is, he, Joseph Takapina, they won. And now Trump is like, you know what? You're going to claim I defamed you? The jury said you lied? I'm suing you. So Joseph Takapina, who's in England with his newborn grandson, <clears throat> Theo, <clears throat> he will join us coming up at 810. Then the other big case is Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams was on the J train with his girlfriend and was attacked by some maniacal subway rider. And Jordan Williams took out a knife and in defending him and his girlfriend, he stabbed this maniac to death. He killed him. He dead. He dead now. And the good news is his attorney, Jason Goldman, will join me coming up at 940 this morning. And the good news is that the grand jury, they decided no charges here. He's innocent. Now, of course, that does bring up the conversation. Did Jordan Williams get treated differently because that was a black-on-black crime than Daniel Penny, white Marine hero, who also acted on the subway, some say in self-defense, but at the very least, making sure nobody else died. Is it just coincidence that Jordan Williams is let go, black guy, and Daniel Penny, they're holding his feet to the fire? I don't think that's a coincidence. In fact, Daniel Penny was back in court yesterday. They unsealed the indictment. His attorney, Thomas Kniff, will join me tomorrow. He'll be here at 945, and Kniff did speak yesterday, and he talked about all the issues on the subway, and a guy like me, who does take the subway, Curtis, you know it, two or three times a day, I've seen all this type of stuff. I still see it almost every day. Here's Thomas Kniff, Penny's attorney, Lewis, cut number 12. The reality is that there is not a living, breathing soul in Manhattan that has not experienced a variation of what not only Mr. Penny, but the other individuals experienced on that subway car. And he goes on to talk about Daniel Penny acted very reasonably. Once again, Penny's attorney, Thomas Kniff, cut number 13. All the evidence that we've seen so far and all the evidence we expect to see shows that he, uh, that, that Danny acted reasonably under very difficult circumstances in a confined environment that none of us would ever want to find ourselves in. Now, Kniff's partner, Steve Razor, he also spoke about Daniel Penny, and he talked about Penny defending fellow passengers. Great guy, too, mind you. Steve Razor Lewis, cut number nine. On May 1st, 2023, Danny defended his fellow travelers. Now it's our turn to defend Danny. And look, let's face it. You're taking the subway. You're underground. You're in between stops. There's nowhere to go, man. That's scary. Steve Razor made that point with this cut, Lewis, cut number 10. The fact that it's a Manhattan jury is, is obviously very good for us, for the defense, because Manhattan juries tend to take the subways, and they understand 
uh, what it's like to be on a subway, what it's like to be confined underground. So I've been asked by both Brian Kilmeade and Jesse Waters. By the way, congrats to Jesse Waters. He gets the old Tucker Carlson 8 p.m. slot on Fox News. So now the new lineup has Laura Ingram on at 7, Jesse at 8, Sean Hannity stays at 9, and the unfunny Greg Gutfeld, he's moved up to 10 o'clock. But I've been uh, on with both Kilmeade and Waters on Fox News, and they both asked me the same thing. Sid, you're a big guy, strong guy. Uh, would you go defend a, a fellow New Yorker, or now because of what Daniel Penny is going through, would you think twice? Point being self-defense, that's on trial too. Here is Steve Razor, cut number 11. Danny won't be the only one on trial. The right and duty to defend one another will be on trial too. So our legal team at Razor and Kniff is ready to fight for Danny and for every New Yorker's right and duty to defend each other when faced with grave harm. All right, so once again, Trump attorney Joseph Takapina, 810 this morning. Jordan Williams attorney Jason Goldman, 945 this morning. And Daniel Penny's attorney Thomas Kniff, 945 tomorrow morning. You've got it all covered, folks. Joe Nolan with traffic is coming up next, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Everything you need to know in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Today's minicast is from Lou Rapino's favorite host at the station, Dominic Carter. A longtime city councilman, uh, considered a firebrand, if you will, Charles Barron in Brooklyn, who has served for more than two decades. Looks like he's going down in defeat tonight. Going down in defeat tonight, uh, representing, uh, Eastern Brooklyn, uh, East New York, Starrett City, parts of Brownsville, and District 42 across, uh, two levels of government. He served in the city council as well as in the assembly. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days In, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Grounded to third. Donaldson has it. Yeah, I was slipping. Funny thing about that perfect game as well, uh, courtesy of Domingo Herman last night, that cut courtesy of the Yes Network. It is sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Yeah. <laughs> Pavilion Tankless Water. Just go to peerlessboilers.com. Paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. we got Pete here in studio today. Uh, a pleasure as always. And it was a perfect night last night for Domingo Herman. Mowed down 27 straight Oakland A's and route to tossing the 24th perfect game in Major League history during last night's 11 
seven to nothing Yanks win over Oakland. Herman joins Don Larson in nineteen fifty six, David Wells in ninety eight, and David Cohen in nineteen ninety nine as Yankees to pitch perfect games, and it was also the thirteenth no hitter in Yankees history. And how do you follow up perfection? Well, we'll find out from Clark Schmidt this afternoon at three thirty seven p.m. He'll be starting uh, the finale in Oakland uh, at three thirty seven. Oakland has yet to name a starter to go against the ready. And now for the Mets last night, who had a much less magical time finding themselves back in the loss column after falling 5-2 to two to the Milwaukee Brewers at home. The loss comes just hours after Mets owner Steve Cohen held the press conference in which he preached patience, but said New York is running out of time to get back into this year's playoff race. The $355 million Mets are 36-44 and 44 and have lost 17 of their last 23. They were eight and a half games out of the last NL wildcard spot entering yesterday's game. New York hasn't won a series since sweeping Philly, uh, the Phillies from May 30th to, uh, through June 1. The finale of their series with the Brewers is set for tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Extras will take the hill against Milwaukee's Adrian Hauser. And lastly, in last night's NHL draft, it was indeed the coveted young center, Connor Bedard, who went first overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. Locally, the Rangers went with winger Gabriel Perot with their 23rd overall pick, while the Devils and Islanders did not have a pick on the board. Here was sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boy. And I'm Justin Alec on 77 WBC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. couple times this week that I had to pass up, and this is true, I had to pass up for the second time in about three weeks, hanging out with President Trump in Bedminster, New Jersey tonight. I was invited personally by Sergio Gore, who was in studio yesterday, with the uh, lovely Carrie Lake. Her book is out, Go Buy It Unafraid. And tonight she's having a little book party with Trump. At Bedminster, and I was invited, obviously. But I can't do it because of the red carpet premiere for Gravesend. There's that song, Layla, which you associate that with every mob movie ever. But before I get to Pete Morgan, the reason why I bring up Carrie Lake is, well, she was in studio yesterday, and everybody loved that interview. She was in for a full hour, and she was great. Just great. Stands for everything right. She is unafraid. She's going to be a great vice president or president one day, senator from the state of Arizona. I don't know, but she has a huge future ahead of her. Gave up a seven-figure media job in Arizona. And the only thing I could think of when she said that was another person making seven figures, and I'm not. How does that make any sense? <laughs> That's all I'm thinking about. I went to Lou. I go, did you hear that? 
Like, is everybody in the world making seven figures except for me? And I'm number one in New York. She's in Arizona. No one cares about Arizona. Nobody. Outside of the, you know, Diamondbacks in 2001 and John McCain, nobody cares about Arizona. That's what you heard. Oh, I'm not making seven right. figures. Yeah. That's what you heard. Oh, wait a second. But after the segment, it's a shock. you admitted you heard the same thing. Yes? Well, right, of course. Yeah. Well, Justin yeah. and I turned to each other and went, what? <laughs> I know. What? I'm the only person in the world. Anyway, so she uh, signed her book to me, Unafraid, because here's the story quickly. So she comes in. She's in the green room with Sergio and a bunch of other people. And I come walking by, and she says to one of the people with her, she goes, who is that guy that just walked by, the tough-looking, brooding guy? And Sergio goes, that guy is the guy that's about to interview you. That's Sid. And she goes, oh, my God, he looks like a hitman. So when she signed my book after the interview, and you can see this, Peter, she signs, quote, Sid, to my favorite New York City hitman. Thanks for speaking the truth, Carrie Lake. So William DeMeo, Gravesend, Danny A, Gemini Lounge slash Inside Man clearly casted the right guy because even Carrie Lake said I look like a hitman. What do you think about that, Pete Morgan? That's about the that's the right way to describe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen you in a few weeks. Jesus. I mean, if you get any darker. Yeah, I look good, right? Oh you you and Eric Adams are between brothers, for Christ's sake. Yeah, except I don't talk to God. I just talk to Danielle. <laughs> and I talk to you. Uh, Pete Morgan, of course, is Mr. Peerless Boilers. Peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. But more importantly, he's uh, one of my best, 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 best buddies. And I say that because when I was at number one in New York... And demanding all this love, reverence, and respect. And I was working out of a broom closet in Pompano Beach, Florida. Believe it or not, Pete Morgan spent the day with me and Steve Zemack and Eric Lingell in Pompano Beach. And that's when I knew, and you had done stuff before me, before that. But that's when I knew that you were a dear, dear friend. And, and you walked away, you said, man, how do you do this? How do you do this? It was really unbelievable. When you look at these beautiful studios, I mean, it made Penn Plaza Look like a palace. Yes, this place is and that was a dump. And your place—that's right. And your place in Florida was an absolute asshole. <laughs> Holy God Almighty, it was terrible. I mean, you on top of each other? Yeah, we didn't even have a behind the glass. No, my no, board up, Eric Lindell sat next to me. He sat right across from you. <laughs> I mean, your nose touched him. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But yeah, yeah the, the way you've climbed back—I mean, it goes all the way back to. It's almost 24, 25 years now. Just Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's been a started, long time, yeah. man. It is 25 years. I started at the CBS Sports Line with Scott Kaplan in 1998. Yeah. 23 years since WNEW's morning show with both Scott Kaplan and Craig Carton. And 22 years since my debut on I Miss the Midday Show and the Giants on W. Man. But I was thinking yesterday, you know, down in Miami, for example, I worked at 790 The Ticket, mm-hmm. big time station, yep. 560 WQAM. They've been the home of the Dolphins and the Hurricanes forever. Big deal, you know. And then I went out to 640 Sports in New York. Think about this list. WNEW, FM Morning Show, 1010 wins. I did sports with Lee Harris and Judy DeAngelis. I replaced Mark Rodane for one year. WFAN and WABC, and on top of that, was syndicated not once but twice. Sports Fan Radio Network with people like the fabulous Sports Babe and JT The Brick. And then Joel Hollander Westwood won 73 markets, including places like Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Kansas City, some big-time markets. And 
you know, that's that's in 22 years. It's pretty good. It's yeah. Pretty good. You've had a good run, man. Pretty good run. Great yeah. comeback. <laughs> from the nice morning from the morning I got the call from FAN. Um, were you with Sid last night? Uh, yeah, yeah. Not exactly. But yeah. Boy, we have uh, come a long, long way. Well, I always tell that story that uh, I was doing the midday show with Joe Beningo, and Danielle and I were on the George Washington Bridge going to talk to Mark Chernoff. And Chernoff called us and said, just turn around. And Danielle was like, no, please. I know you love Sidney. He goes, I love him. He's a huge talent. He could have been the biggest and best here, but it's over. And Danielle's like, no. And he's like, Danielle, it's over. And we turned around and went home, and I took Ava. She was a baby, like 18 months. She's now 19 years old, to the pediatrician in Tenafly, New Jersey. Yeah. And Joe Beningo at 10.08 went on the air and said, I've got horrible news today. I have to announce the resignation of my partner, Sid Rosenberg. And I tell this story all the time. My phone rang one minute. I was in the doctor's office. I had no idea what he said. First phone call I got, Jim Nance, CBS Sports. Second phone call, Fred Wilpon, owner of the Mets. I was like, wow, Fred Wilpon. So when people kill him, and you can kill his kid all you want. I'm not a big Jeff fan. But when you kill Fred Wilpon, I always run to his defense. He literally was the second phone call I received when it looked like my radio career was over 20, well, excuse me, that would have been 18 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, good to be here on this uh, beautiful day. And you'll never forget, Pete Morgan, you'll never forget where you were on that Monday morning. And you'll also never forget where you were last night, according to Ryan Ruoco, when Domingo Herman pitched a perfect game against the lowly Oakland A's. Isn't that right? I went to bed after the fifth. <laughs> you did? I did. You lasted five innings. Yeah. So, you know, we were bouncing around watching stuff, Maureen and I clicking around, and uh, back and forth, NHL draft, a little Bravo nonsense. Which you Rangers, think. anybody good last night? They got this kid, Perot, who's supposed to be very good. Yeah. So we'll see. That's the 23rd selection. It's a deep draft, apparently. And then uh, I was watching, and, and I was talking with Justin earlier. It, it, Herman looked great. I mean, yeah. his, his off-speed stuff was biting. He had everything going. I'm like, this feels good, but the Oakland A's are awful. Terrible. I right. mean, Jesus yeah. Christ, I think uh, Libertini's team would be. Right. <laughs> Although the A's did beat the Yankees the night before. They did. Two to one. They did. Yeah. So last night, and Stanton hit a bomb, and they, they got a couple of hits. So they won, but he his stuff looked good. Would it have been as good against... The Angels against somebody else. Yeah, Toronto. Toronto. Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Tampa so, Bay. Who knows? But he did yeah. it, and good for him. And But who? I mean, easy, Ryan. You're a Yankee fan before you're a Met fan, Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I love all New York teams, but, I, you know, Yankees, Knicks, Rangers, Giants. Giants won or Rangers won? Uh, Probably Rangers. It's tight. Yeah, Rangers. Tight, but, I, yeah, I'm a huge Ranger fan. Yeah. And it, I love the Giants. And no, the Yankees, no. they're really, really close. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the only Giant games I've gone to... Over the last couple of years, I'm a diehard Giant fan. Is with you. Yeah. Last year, the Redskins. I still call them the Redskins. I don't yeah, care. Me too. And a couple of years ago, you gave me and Gaby his first tickets. Mm-hmm. It was the Giants Bills. Yep. Week two, Eli Manning was awful. And the very next week in Tampa Bay, the Giants named Daniel Jones as starting quarterback. Yeah, and he had a big game. That huge. Day. He beat up on Tampa Bay. I think he beat up on his first two starts. He put up huge numbers. And we're like, oh, my God, here we go. Yeah, we got Bill it. Sims, Eli Manning, Daniel Jones. And then it got ugly. You realize why you get these tickets. It has nothing to do with you. It's all it's about Gabe. Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a good boy, my Love son. That. was out there again last night. Thanks, Pete. Out there again last night, his second basketball game. Again, I want to thank Brian Flip Mullen, his coach, 
Flip Mullen Sr. was there last night. Brian's mom and aunt, the whole Mullen family. And then, as if that's not enough, my dear friend from Brennan and Carr, Mike Sullivan. He couldn't make the first game. He had to work till midnight at Brennan and Carr. Showed up last night with Brooklyn icon Jackie Hunter. So thank you to Sully and Jackie. Gabe had his own rooting section last night. He still lost by 40. Well, we, uh, we lose by 40 like every night. Well, it's okay. He's, he's playing. No, he's, listen, he plays a lot. And he likes it. Loves it. Loves it. Yeah. Brian starts him, plays a lot, a lot of defense, 0 for 1 from the field last night, one turnover. How do I know that? He gives me the stats after the game. There you go. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's an absolute gift that he's able to do. It. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It is. And uh, me and Danielle are so proud of him. And it was wonderful last night. I got to tell you, that league, the St. Francis League in Bell Harbor, is really fantastic. It is packed every night. Some of these kids are real good. I mean, it was a brawl a couple nights ago. But to see these little kids out there every night, all their parents and families, it's a very tight-knit community. You know, I saw my neighbor, hero fireman Billy Felton, yesterday. And, uh, God, I love him. And his wife, Jackie, and their three little kids. And my good friends, Joe and Maria Ferrante, they live down the block. And Anthony Carone and Joe Murray and all these guys. Joe from La Sorrentina. It's, it's such a tight-knit, wonderful community. And these basketball games... Everybody shows up on a beautiful summer night, and I love it, and Gaby loves it, Danielle loves it, and you would love it. You would oh, love God, it. Oh, God, all the years of soccer, lacrosse, and then both my kids were fortunate enough to play in college, so we were yeah. always on the road, yeah. on the go. And with hockey, you're in Canada all the time, oh, you're in the yeah, country, yeah. your stuff, and uh, it's just it's great stuff. And yeah. that becomes a traveling pack, a traveling family. You know, people out there listening or know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about when you when you start uh, getting into these tournaments and all this other stuff. And I actually did some of that before the kids with Danielle because forgetting about Gabe's athletics or Abe, but she was a big tennis player. My wife, as you know, yeah, big time marathon runner. Yeah. So when I look back at my history of traveling, whether it's Monterey or Big Sur, California, yeah. Paris, London, yeah. uh, I didn't go to Germany with her. I didn't go to Japan with her, but we've done a ton of traveling to some wonderful places, Boston, all because of her marathon. And she did commit this year because of my friend with the NYPD, Tom Biggers. He actually heads the New York Police Department Running Club. They do a big 5K run every year down by the Memorial Wall. Danielle did commit against her better plans to run the New York Marathon. Once again, it'll be her sixth coming up this November. Spencer's running as well. She's going to run again, too. Oh, oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah, Spencer's, so uh, she can run though, right? She's oh, pretty yeah, good. she's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little younger than Danielle, too. Oh, quite, quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> but a great kid. That's a great kid right there. So we got a huge show coming up. Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano, famed defense attorney Joe Tacopina, Noam Layden, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle in studio, three cast members from Gravesend, William and Christian DeMeo, and the great Peter Gordio in studio, Jordan Williams, attorney Jason Goldman, all that coming up. Just today, it's no wonder we're number one in New York City because we kick ass every day. We are sitting friends in the morning. I know you've got somewhere to go, but won't you make yourself at home and stay with me? And don't you ever leave
Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Mr. Mayor, this is the thing you're looking for in the future police commission. I love the creativity in attempting to find a way to get a response. I have a police commissioner right now. And after that commissioner leaves, then we will talk about what the future holds. But right now I have a commissioner, and I like her a lot. Thank you. I don't know about you, Lewis, when I hear this song, I think of John Cryer as the character Ducky in the movie Pretty in Pink. No one else thinks about that, I know, but I do. Him and Molly Ringwald. Remember that scene? He starts dancing to this. Yeah, but I don't think this was the song. Yeah, it was. Okay. 100%. I don't, but I don't think <laughs> yeah, that. That's right. That's, I know this is one of the all-time great songs, and that was Mayor Eric Adams. And for folks that are keeping score, he kept saying, I've got a commissioner. Yeah, he do. Until tomorrow. Tomorrow happens to be the last day for Keyshawn Sewell, who I like a lot. Curtis is not a big fan. I don't care. I like her. Um, and she, they'd be much better off keeping her. But, you know, Curtis, God bless him, has been unbelievable on this show. I know I say it all the time. If you're tired of hearing it, I don't care. Although most of you folks on the Internet love him, too. He has been outrageously good. I mean, all the migrant stuff and all the city hall stuff. And I got to tell you, he pisses off a lot of people here. I've gotten texts from the boss. Said, hey, you know, be careful here. Curtis may not be telling the truth. Stop. Stop. If Curtis says something on air, he either has a very, very good source. He heard from somebody. And he's not right every time. So what? He's right a lot. That's why he pisses off so many people. That's why Joe Borelli's shorts are brown. That's why my friend Joanne Ariola, she won't even talk to me anymore. And I don't care. And he came on off of a Kill Me text a couple days ago. It wasn't even his story. It was Brian Kilmead and said, hey, the mayor is seriously considering sanitation head Jessica Tish as the next commissioner. Oh, Curtis, there he goes again, starting trouble, lying. No, he's not. It is his story. It's true. Now, Adams may back off now because of the pressure that Curtis and me and others have put on. But he was 1,000% right again. And when asked about it yesterday, Mayor Adams shoved his tail between his legs and decided to talk about Keyshawn Sewell, who has one day left. That's it. So the man who mans the mic and gets big ratings noon to one every weekday and owns the overnights all weekend long, Curtis Sliwa. Let me congratulate you again on being right there with the biggest story in the city today. Congrats. Family, family. This was teamwork. As you mentioned, our brother in solidarity, Brian Kilmeade, had heard this. This was a rumor that has lasted for two weeks. They floated it out there on purpose. And uh, she had a big press conference yesterday. It was her audition. It was just Eric Adams to her side. And he was watching meticulously every answer that she gave to a somewhat hostile press corps because it was about containerizing garbage and, you know, all the extra expenses and the fines and fees and just driving more mom-and-pop business guys out of business. And she just was not ready for prime time. You could see she got angry. She got agitated. So if you're looking at this through the prism of thinking, do I want Eddie Caban or do I want Jessica Tish? 
because of the family money. That's what this is all about. Remember, Eric Adams, show me the money. That's yeah. what it's all That's about. Bo Dito was saying that yesterday. He'll be he'll join me live today as he does every Thursday in studio at nine oh five, right before our Gravesend partners. And he said also it's all about the money, bottle the money. But it may have been Peter King. Somebody was on the last couple of days and they were extolling the virtues, Curtis. That was Peter King. It, Peter. And talking about all she did in terms of homeland security, terrorism. So what? So what? Well, but she doesn't exactly come to the table with no experience. Wait a second. Wait a That's second. not fair. Sid, can you imagine you're shaping up at the 100th precinct out in the Rockaways, so the 101st. She walks in. First of all, she's so pale. She's so thin. She's <laughs> like a constipation, right? That look on her face. Look, at least Keyshawn Sewell. Man, she's a brick. You yeah. know, she looked and, at you and last straight night, ahead. Unless I checked, Keyshawn Sewell's not pale. Right. Yeah. But the point being is, what a difference. I didn't like Keyshawn. I didn't like uh, her performance. But she looked. Oh, this woman, Jessica Tish. Buffy, <laughs> yes, Jeeves, could you pass the great stop, stop right here right now. Because here's what, I, what I've learned about you. In your genius, and, and I give you credit every day. I just did right there. Not spend yeah, Pete. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. But you have to understand something. With most stories with politics, you got to follow the money. With Curtis, you got to follow the history. Curtis, for example, ran against Eric Adams. So he dislikes him more than most people do, even Adams' detractors. You start to figure out, okay, there's something else here. So I want you to put your hand on the Bible right now. Right. And my swear to me. Right. I got my hand on my family right. jewels. Yeah, what's left All of right. Yeah. And yeah. swear to me and Pete Morgan and Lewis and the rest of this audience yes. that there's never been a run-in, there's no history, because you sound exceptionally angry about Tish calling her pale and, and not ready. Swear to me there's no personal history. No personal history other than... I ran into her at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. She came up to me with the sanitation unit. Curtis, why do you say such bad things about me? So there is history. Well, excuse me. I explained it to her because all you talk about is composting. Look <laughs> yeah. at all the garbage and rats in Wait, the street. I, I did hear her yesterday uh, during that conference talk about she was angry. There's too many garbage bags in the city. Oh, please. This is New York City. <laughs> That, uh, you should be worried about body bags. <laughs> right, not garbage bags. Body bags. That's what we have in this city. But I must do a pivot and uh, shift, as Eric Adams would say. We can no longer be selfish. Pete, John, and Margot, I know you're listening. We have to share this acting treasure with the world. Tonight, with the debut, the second city of great, second season of Gravesend. Here it is again, Sid on the red carpet with well-renowned actors and actresses. That is true. I mean, you got Chaz Palminteri, Armand DeSante, Vinnie Pastore, Gina Gershon, Fran Drescher, all my friends, the DeMeos, and Gordion Romando. So that is a list of some pretty heavy names, right, Look, Curtis? Let me hearken you back to Both yesterday. Gino too. I was in the uh, hallway when Carrie Lake. From Iowa. Remember, she's yes. from Arizona now, but she's from the heartland. You know what's funny? She didn't know she's from Iowa. Like my friend, the actor Tom Arnold, is talking about acting. She had no idea that at one point Tom Arnold's sister was the biggest meth dealer in the country. In fact, at the time, Tom Arnold was still married to Roseanne Barr, and they paid for most of her legal bills. He, she had no idea living in Iowa yep. at the same time as Tom Arnold that his sister was that big a drug dealer. But I've spent time in Omaha, Des Moines, and uh, down Omaha's Springfield. Omaha's Nebraska, by the way. Right. Yeah. Uh, Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. That is all meth. No crack. 
So white people smoke meth. Yeah. Black people smoke crack. That's true. Same results. You end up in a canatonic, you know, uh, <laughs> RIP at some point. But when she said that, that said to me, like in Hollywood. When what did she say? She said, you look like a hitman. She did, yes. So in She Hollywood, wrote that in my book. So in Hollywood, whether it's William DeMeo or anyone else, and they're going to try to get a major motion picture made, Any the, moguls, the moguls will say, yeah, but will this play in Des Moines? Will this play in the heartland? Now, I'm telling you, Sid, you can no longer keep us from seeing the true talent you have. In the words of Danny Aiello, you mentioned Michael Kay earlier. Danny Aiello was his uncle. I knew Danny real well and his brother, unfortunately, who died at an early age of cameraman. And Danny Aiello told me the story. He was coming out of the Bronx. He wanted to be an actor. He got himself a mob scholarship. The mob bankrolled him for the method acting lessons that he needed to go to every day, whether it was Lee Strasberg, <laughs> son of a bitch, what are you doing here? No, no, it's true. And so he had a no-show job at the Jacob Javits Convention Center, unloading trucks. He would sit in the lawn chair. He said, Curtis, I had patent leather shoes. Everybody knew it. I'm reading a copy of the Daily News, and I go off for my lessons. Then he went to Summerstock, and this is how I found out. He was in championship season. That was his first major Oh, role. good movie. You know whose director was? My my older sister, Alita St. James. No kidding. Yeah, so I got to know him real well. And he said, yeah, without that opportunity, I would have had to work two jobs. Hey, I'm married. I have a kid. You know, I wouldn't have been able to develop my craft. I think it's time for all the years. How many years in talk radio, Sid? This is uh, actually my 25th year. Okay. That's a long time. If you were in the UFT, let me tell you, you would have had three sabbaticals by no. now. No. Paid with all the benefits. You see where this is going, Pete? You see yeah. where this is going? It's time for no. an acting sabbatical for you. <laughs> so just so you know, folks, while Curtis was quick to uh, compliment me, you look like a hitman, you're perfect. Just so you know, this whole diatribe he's going on right now, is he just wants me to vacate this seat because even though I've been very good to Curtis five days a week and we become very, very close friends, he wouldn't cry at my funeral. He would be running here to prepare for tomorrow's morning show. Let me be- so that's all this is, is Curtis, you should go act it and give me the morning no, show. No, no. You, yes. you deserve to develop your craft, <laughs> but you are so right. If you were out in the middle of the street... And you were on fire. I wouldn't even urinate on you to put out the flames. I would give you a UNG like you've never had before. I know. And I take these microphones and say, it's mine. <laughs> I've done mornings before three times. It's That's mine. Funny. You know, my favorite Danny Yellow story is that's very funny, Curtis. Was years ago, I used to see Danny all the time, believe it or not, at New Jersey Nets games. He had seats right on the floor. And that was those years when Jason Kidd, yeah. along with Keith Van Horn and Kenyon Martin and, you know, all those guys had the Nets in two consecutive finals. They lost to the Spurs and the Lakers. And Danny walks up to me. And we saw each other a lot. We became friendly like Curtis. But the first time he saw me, he goes, wow, you're Sid Rosenberg. I go, how do you know who I am? You're Danny Aiello. He goes, I listen to the band all the time. And he says, now that he's dead, I'm going to say it. It's actually not right. He goes, don't ever tell my nephew Michael K this, but you're my favorite sports guy. I said, but your nephew's, your nephew's Michael K. He said, Sid, I'll say it again. You're my favorite sports guy. <laughs> After that, I cried today, Danny Aiello. Oh, oh let, me, let me give you a story. <laughs> Chaz Palminteri, again. Totally into sports. 
um, uh, at a house in Forest Hills watching my two youngest sons. By the way, he'll be there tonight. He's got a big role on Gravesend. So it, and his daughter, Gabriella. Sunday morning, he gets on the fan, and he's talking about, you know, uh, Brady and uh, Reggie Jackson and, you know, all these roided-up ball players, you know, like slamming Sammy Sosa. Right now, Pete Morgan is whiter than you. It's the whitest guy in the world, right? True. Uh, Maguire, True. you know, the roided up age. And he's going crazy on the fence. So I tell my two sons, go out into traffic, dodge the cars, learn some street techniques. It was a great, he's calling in just as a caller. The idiot has Chaz Palmentary on. He said, we have to go to a break, Chaz. Who was this? He doesn't even ask him to hold on. The guy used to be on WNEW. Oh, you spent any W? Oh, Richard Neer. Yeah, Richard <laughs> Neer. I knew it. He goes, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, Chaz, we've run out of time. Yeah. Oh, Chaz, yeah. well, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, are you crazy? Yeah. you got to hold them over. <laughs> I don't care if they're going to strangle yeah. you. This is one of the greatest sports conversations I've ever heard. Yeah, he killed it. And I like Richard Neer. I actually thought it was very good. But a lot of the fan listeners thought he was dreadfully boring and wanted to know what pictures did Mark Chernoff have of Richard Neer to put him on every Saturday morning for years? Raceman calls him Sir Samanex. Yes, Sir Samanex. Hey, did uh, see this uh, column getting back to the original conversation about the mayor. You gave me this. You gave me this, uh, Curtis. And it reads, Mayor Adams' popularity in New York City drops. You ready for this, folks? Especially among black residents. Why is that the case? Because of the illegal aliens. Every time I'm out in the street, the brothers and sisters come up to me. Yo, man, what's up? What's up with the mayor, man? He's giving mad money to these illegal aliens. Man, they're getting everything. Yo, we elected this man, which is true. Without the African-American vote, he would not be mayor. He certainly wouldn't have gotten through the Democratic primary, the rank chose. So when is it going to be our time? We got a black mayor, Curtis, and we're getting nothing. And I said... Now you're going to have to suffer. And soon you should be saying to yourself, don't blame me. I voted for Sliwa. Yeah, yeah, I like you, Sliwa, but you understand what this thing is. It's a black thing. And they are so angry. Wow. Look at these numbers. But that's the first shirt that you and Nancy have to create when you announce. I know you talked about it with me on the air. You're going to run again, folks. You're not going to be surprised. He is going to run again. But the shirt should read the day that you walk to the podium. Don't blame me. I voted for Sliwa. That's a great T-shirt. So look at these figures right before the Ill illegal alien invasion, which he welcomed in, which he was saying, I'm your Papa Chula. Who's, <laughs> your, who's your daddy, right? And they're coming in. All of a sudden, he had 59% of blacks said, you're, you're right on. 16% didn't like him. Now it's completely reversed. 50% say they hold an unfavorable view of him. 50%, 29% said, no, he's our guy. That's complete reversal. That's why he's doing all the Kunta Kinte now. Uh, right. You know, I'm not on a plantation. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, uh, Denzel Washington and Glory. He right, did that right. too. And then, of course, God, talking about God, having conversations with him. Pete, I'm sure if any of your employees showed up to work while they were installing a boiler and say, Pete, you know, I was installing that boiler and I had a conversation with God while the boiler was fired up. You'd say, you know, maybe you're ready for a sabbatical, <laughs> right? right? Well, exactly. now, now that you brought that up, it's uh, perfect.
perfect timing. And uh, Chris Libertini, who, of course, is the voice of this station, he's a really talented guy. He does all the commercials and all the promos. He's got a lot of help out there from uh, Chris Pavani. He's a good kid, too. Uh, intern Carly, Dan Herschel, and others. But if you notice on this show lately, there's been a lot of comedy bits about the mayor, something I would never have done about a month ago, but even I'm fed up at this point. And we've got a new one oh, just for you. Oh, oh, good, yes, good, 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 good. So with that said, here's the latest Mayor Eric Adams. When the coal hits the sky, Mayor Adams, he cries front page story. <laughs> He hears words from the sky like he is Jesus Christ's front page story. <laughs> Jailbirds sing, ring-a-ling-a-ling, ring-a-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing no cash bail No cash bail Now eat this, Eric Adams. He's changing pizza pies, I really care about that. Brick oven slice, yeah, I like it like that. I have one only burning desire. Let me eat pizza from coal fire. Let me eat pizza from coal fire. Oh, God. Let me eat pizza from coal fire. Good. Let me eat pizza from coal fire. Tell him, Chris. So there you have it. We've got uh, little uh, Dean Martin and Jimmy Hendricks. Great job there by Chris Martini. But this pizza thing is also pathetic, having kids breathe in class. Does he know that people are getting stabbed on the subway every day, Curtis? No. Every day. No, that's why I said we should have been talking about body bags yesterday in the streets. <laughs> yes. And not garbage bag, Jessica Tish. But doesn't this remind you, we mentioned Danny Aiello, right? Do the right thing. Yeah. Remember bugging out? Yep. Yo, how yep. come? How come you know the all people on the wall there? And Danny Iola said, when you buy your own pizzeria, you can put every black man, black woman that lives, but as long as I own this pizzeria, it's going to be Sinatra and DiMaggio and Italian-Americans. But that's not one of the greatest scenes of all time. That was one of the greatest scenes of all time. And every day you're on this radio show is one of the great radio segments of all time. We've got about 60 seconds to go. Anything, Curtis, on the way out? Yes, I beg you, I beseech you, John and Margot, we can't be selfish with this acting treasure. <laughs> when Carrie Lake from the Heartland from Iowa says, who's that guy? He looks like a hitman. Right out of central casting. In Hollywood, the moguls would say to every one of your friends if they were casting you in a picture, full-length motion picture, Will it play in Iowa? And all you have to do is say, Terry Lake said I look like a hitman. Your time has come, Sid. Gravesend is great. Your other movie roles are great. But now it's time. The big screen is calling. A year's sabbatical. Full pay. Full benefits. Method acting lessons. From the days of Stroudsburg, Lee Stroudsburg and Stanislavski, you could be the next De Niro. You could be the next Pacino. Your day has come. You always wanted to be an Italian stallion. Now it's your chance. Hollywood is waiting for Sid Rosenberg.
77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. That is what Donald Trump is like most of the time. Constantly rationalizing his own bad behavior, justifying um, what he's doing at the very moment that he's doing it, even when he knows it's wrong, um, and showing off. He's the consummate show-off, and I think that's what that tape was. It's whenever he feels cornered, he makes up a story. It reminds me more particularly of when he didn't want to turn over his tax returns, and he all of a sudden came up with a story that he was getting legal advice saying that as long as he was under audit, um, that he couldn't turn them over. And that was a completely made-up story as well. That's that fat bastard, former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, dumb putz. He's actually, well, he was just on Fox News moments ago with Kilmeade, Ducey, and Ainsley. And he takes every opportunity to bash Trump because he's fat and jealous. Hey, Chris, Mr. Oh, Trump lies. Maybe before the end of this segment, I'll get Bob Brown, fatso, to give us the latest traffic on the George Washington Bridge. You know stuff about that, don't you, Chris? Oh. oh. Yeah. Oh. I was hoping. Is he listening, uh, you think? Or I wonder if this uh, Canadian haze we're about to experience today may result in the closing of the beaches. You know about that, fatso? Because you went to the beach. Yeah. You got a set on of balls on you talking about Trump, what else you lying bastard. And uh, the latest poll came out, Chris, Fox News poll. <laughs> and, I mean, y- your effort is so embarrassing. Donald Trump, 56%. 34 points back. At this point, irrelevant. Sorry, Bo Deedle and Peter King. You can talk to your blue in the face. Trump better be electable because he's going to win. DeSantis has no chance, none. 56 to 22, and it's not getting better for DeSantis, it's getting worse. And every time they indict Trump or embarrass Trump, his numbers go up. He's up 34 points. There is no primary. It's over. So stop bashing Trump, talking about his electability. He's our only hope. That's it. It's Trump. He's the guy. You know who's in third with just 5%, 17 points behind DeSantis? And 51 behind Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy. Not even you, fatso. He's got 3% right now, Chris. Trailing Trump by a minuscule 53 points. Stop it already. Bo, Peter, he's not electable. Shut up. I love you guys. Uh, Bo, you're like my, my, my father. But enough. It's stupid. Because he ain't, if this was a race and DeSantis had a shot, 
and you were giving me, well, DeSantis, it's close and he's more electable. Uh, fine, we can have a discussion. Trump is killing him. Every day DeSantis loses and Trump gains. So if you're only concerned about Trump, then you keep talking about DeSantis and electability. If you're concerned about the country and getting that Biden out of there, start talking Trump. Don't waste my time, as Chris Russo would say. Don't waste my time, DeSantis. It ain't happening. Sorry. DeSantis winning this race? I tell you what, the Mets, 17 back of the Braves, 17 back have a better chance of winning the NL East. That's how stupid this conversation has become. Why waste my time? And don't bother with Tim Scott, 2% right now. Nikki Lake, 2% right now. Stop it. The only hope this country has is Trump. He's going to win the primary. It's not going to be close. Even RFK Jr., he's a Democrat. RFK Jr. at a town hall yesterday said he's proud that Donald Trump supports him. A Kennedy. Cut number six, Lewis. I'm proud that President Trump likes me, even though I don't agree with him on most of his issues. I'm, because I don't want to alienate people. I want to bring people together. I'm proud that all these people like me and that I have independent supporters and Democratic supporters and that I'm able to bring a lot of people. You know, every Democrat says, I want to end the polarization. But how do you do that without talking to people who don't agree with you? How do you do that without appealing to people? Without the per- My purpose is to find the issues, the values that we have in common other than, you know, focus on the issues and the personalities that keep us all apart. I like RFK Jr. I really do. We'll book him for this show maybe next week. But point is, Republicans, we need to get together here. Stop the nonsense. I don't care what he said about John McCain. I'm sorry. Everybody knows it was stupid. It was awful. We get all that. That was years ago. McCain's died since. And the truth is, as me and Carrie Lake talked about yesterday, McCain was a backstabbing son of a bitch when it came to Trump. Hero, yes. But the two are mutually exclusive. They are. McCain was not a great senator from the state of Arizona, and he tried to really screw Donald Trump with that whole dossier with Hillary Clinton. So I don't want to hear about John McCain. I don't want to hear about tweets. I don't want to hear about what he said about you know, even uh, what's-his-name's wife, Ted Cruz. I don't care. We need to win this election. We need to win it. And to say, well, I like Trump, but he's our only hope he's going to win this primary. It's not going to be close. And then what? Then you're going to jump on the Trump bandwagon? Then, when he murders Ron DeSantis, which he's doing right now, he's embarrassing DeSantis. Ron would have been better off just serving out as Florida governor, waiting till 2028 when Trump can't run again, and then do this. He's going to suffer a humiliating loss. Because guess what? They're still coming after Trump. You've got January 6th. You've got Mar-a-Lago. You've got E. Jean Carroll suing him again. And every time they do it, we want Trump more. So it's not going to go your way. So if you're a Republican, stop. Let's everybody band together. In one effort, get Biden and these Democrats out of the White House, and we've got one man, one, who's going to have that opportunity, and it ain't Ron DeSantis, it's Donald Trump.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. I choose my friends only far too well on the pavement. And they're all down in the saddle with their I gotta tell you, Lou, I'm becoming... A bigger country music fan every day. I go to this. Uh, I go to this place, Callie's, and um, Terrence Mullen owns it. Chris Mullen's brother and Tommy and Brian. It's in our neighborhood. You know the place. So it's on the corner. I know it. And I go there a lot. And I, I they have a Tex-Mex salad that I really enjoy. They're known for burgers and cheese beefs, like Brennan and Carr. But I um I go there for this salad. Even Danielle likes a salad. And I go in the afternoon. It's quiet. They got this beautiful outdoor patio section, and I sit there and by myself, and they play country music. It's it's one of those uh, serious XM country music stations, and I find myself not wanting to leave because I'm loving the music. I can't even identify half of these artists. I got into it a couple of years ago, and I went to uh, the first address, Madison Square Garden, because we had that uh, Nash Country station. Chad Lopez and those folks did a good job of bringing talent into the station. We had Jason Aldean live on stage 17 on my birthday a couple of years ago. Luke Bryan came in, and you know, I really started to enjoy the music. Well, they're, and, they're talented, yes. Not only because. talented, but they love this country. Unlike these scumbag rappers and hip-hop guys who still, still, Snoop Dogg, talk about killing cops and, and girls in the most disgusting manner. I mean, they're disgusting, well, all of them. They use language that they don't want anybody right. else Right, well, the N-word up and down, the nope. N-word up and down, right. And I say this all the time. If you don't want a white guy to use it, don't use it. If you use it, don't bitch. Sorry, you don't get to own that word because 400 years ago, something happened. Something bad, mind you. Very, 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 very bad. But you don't get to use that word. And you got these country guys, they never sing about any of that stuff. It's always the same thing. Too many beers, she broke my heart, and my taillight is broken on my truck. That's it. American flags and red, white, and blue, Lee Greenwood, Toby Keith. I mean, you love this country. First of all, start loving President Trump. Stop acting like an idiot. And second of all, listen to country music. Am I right about that, Pete? You think you are, but so that's all that counts, doesn't it? Yeah, it is my show. That's right. That is a brilliant point, Pete Morgan. Wow. <laughs> Shut up, Justin. I think you are, so that's all that matters. Yeah. Mm. A lot of people agree with me, you know. No, the, a you, lot. You, that, I love country music. I actually really agree with you. You don't love country music. You can't even name five artists right I can, now. I can name five artists three right now. Let me hear. Uh, okay. You can. He's eating. Right. Give me five. Okay. Right now, though. Uh, don't give me Hank right. Williams. Luke, or... Luke Combs, Luke Bryan. Uh, you give got, me somebody uh, named Luke. Eric Church. You've got, uh, <laughs> you've got uh, Morgan Wallen. Eric Church. <laughs> Eric Church. Eric Church? He's like the worst one. Yeah, he's not the worst one. You have no one. idea about country music. All these guys are in like the top-selling country you know artists in, today, in today's... I had in today's... breakfast with right. Big and Rich. That's fine. I've never heard of Big and Rich. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah, then you know nothing it. about... Wow. That's awful. That's a problem. Oh, That's oh, awful. Wow. Have you heard of Rascal oh. Flatts? Yeah, of course I've heard of Rascal Flatts. But you've never heard of Big and Rich, seriously? No, I've never heard of him. You're not a country music fan. Oh, okay. okay. You're not even a Yankee fan. Oh, wow. Now we're going here. Okay. <laughs> sure. Now we're going down this rabbit You hole. ain't never seen no Frank Sinatra. <laughs> oh. My next guest, uh, I got to think this guy's a big country music fan. I got to think, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Either way, he's a brilliant judge, long career, television, Fox News, and radio, and all that good stuff. Here for his Thursday appearance, 
my friend Judge Napolitano. Andrew, what's up, brother? Yes, Sid, how are you, my man? I'm laughing like hell. Who the hell's ever heard of Eric Church? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. This is uh, quite a cast of characters we put together, and uh, po- folks seem to enjoy it, and that's great. I want to get to uh, the big news story today. Fox News talked about it from the very beginning of their morning show at 6 a.m., and that is that Hunter Biden is in Delaware today being deposed. This is the laptop case. Now, as far as I know, and you can provide the details, this is not about Hunter Biden uh, doing criminal acts on, on these tapes. This is about the owner of the store wanting $1.5 million in damages. Give me the details on why Hunter Biden is being deposed in Delaware today. Well, because there's a uh, a lawsuit brought by the owner of the uh, of the laptop whose business suffered as a result of all the negative uh, publicity. Uh, and he needs to establish that, <clears throat> in fact, it was Hunter Biden's uh, laptop. This is a very, very dangerous situation for Hunter Biden to be in. Normally, <clears throat> when there's civil litigation that's even peripherally involved in any criminal behavior, you don't resolve the civil, uh, you don't address the civil litigation until the criminal case is completely over. Now, is this criminal case over? Well, yes and no. He's entered into a guilty plea uh, with the feds for his tax problems. I don't know, because I haven't seen it, if there's any reference to the tax problems on the laptop. The guilty plea has to be accepted by a federal judge in Delaware. If I were the judge, I would reject the guilty plea because it doesn't come near punishing him for the magnitude of his crime. But not all judges feel that way. Some believe that, oh, I'm the judge. My job is to resolve disputes. When the government and the defendant come into my uh, courtroom and there's no dispute, they both want the same thing. I'm going to go along with it. Other judges, and I was in this uh, category, are of the view, I'm not a potted plant. My job is to do uh, the right thing. You're letting this guy get away with murder, metaphorically speaking. Uh, I'm not going to go along with it. What would happen? Oh, we're going to call a jury next week. You can try the case. That usually results in either a trial or another negotiated plea more to the judge's liking. So he may say something in this deposition. A long-winded answer. I apologize for it. He may say something in this deposition which would affect the guilty plea, which is why his lawyers should not uh, permit him to be deposed until the guilty plea is accepted. Once the guilty plea is accepted, that part of his life is over. It can't be undone. The Mm -hmm. the guilty plea can't be undone. There's no from it. My uh, beautiful wife, Danielle, great attorney on the way to the firm right now, says, Hunter is scared of these depositions, and he should be. But uh, well, to your point, right. uh, yeah, to your point about the the other two charges, you're right. He's going to plead guilty on the tax stuff. The gun charge is basically going to go away. There's a rapper in jail now for like three years for the same exact charge. For Hunter, it's going to go away. But I can tell you that Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker in the House, Jim Comer, Nancy Mace. And a host of others are still out there every day collecting evidence, videos, data, bank records. They made it very, very clear last week when Hunter Biden basically got a slap on the wrist from Garland and the DOJ. They are not done, that there are real crimes out there, real crimes that involve not just Hunter, but his daddy, Mr. President. And they are not going to give up until it's all exposed. So he's not out of the woods with all the real stuff just yet. 
Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I respect and agree and applaud uh, what the Republicans, whose names you just enumerated, starting with the Speaker, uh, are doing. That is their job, and the public has the right to know. It's going to sound a little Nixonian. If the president is a crook, the public has the right to know it, even if it's too late to prosecute the president. It is not too late to throw him out of office. Now I'm getting back to the conversation you had a few minutes ago about Chris Christie and the others uh, and Donald Trump running for the Republican nomination. Well, it's not a great – you, you laughed, didn't you? Happened. Admit that you laughed during that conversation, George. It was I funny. Lord, <laughs> that conversation. I lord, But, you know, it tugs at my heart a little bit. These two guys have been friends of mine for 35 and 40 years, Chris Christie and Donald Trump. I know them both. I have been to their homes. I have been alone with them. They each interviewed me for Trump for the Supreme Court of the United States, Christie for the Supreme Court of New Jersey. I know them both. It kills me to see them attack each other like this. But but the bottom line is, you're correct. The goal is to oust Biden, and Trump's numbers amongst Republicans are so overwhelming. I don't know what Chris can do. I really don't. Now, he's going to be on my show, uh, Judging Freedom, uh, next week, I think right after the 4th of July. I'm going to ask him very, 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 very direct and candid questions as only a friend can ask. I'm going to pretend that a million people, that I'm going to forget that a million people will be watching. <laughs> well, what Chris is uh, sadly mistaken, where the Democrats are sadly mistaken, where the DOJ sadly mistaken, is that when they attack Donald Trump, they think they're hurting him. And what they're doing is they fire up people like me. Not that long ago, I worked with a great man, Bernard McGurk, okay? And he loved Trump, and I kind of liked him. Now I love Donald Trump, maybe next to my wife and kids, more than anybody else. And it's people like Chris Christie and the DOJ and all these folks. They think they're hurting him. They're not. They're actually helping him. One of these stupid idiots going to figure that out. I loved uh, Bernie also, and I think one of the reasons you love Trump is because Bernie is in heaven. I agree. Bernie, yes. And Bernie is influencing people from heaven. I honestly. Yeah. That's where you honest, lost me. Now you sound like uh, Mayor Eric Adams. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, back to the Republicans in the House. The House cannot prosecute. The only thing they can do is to come up with this dirt and give it to the DOJ. And then Merrick Garland will go up there and, 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 and talk some gibberish and decide not to do anything with it. And if whatever they come up with occurred more than five years ago, nobody can be prosecuted. But it is still better for the public to know who in the government is lying, Attorney General Garland, who in the government is a crook, Mr. President. The public has the right to know that. It'll be uh, front and center in the 2024 presidential campaign, yep. no matter who candidates are. And I got to say a word about uh, Bobby Kennedy. I love him. I love you're talking that. about you're talking about junior you're talking about a Kennedy I love Bobby I think he's fantastic yeah you're His talking numbers about... are 26 percent 26 percent of Democrats want him to be the nomination against a sitting incumbent Democratic president now, that's impressive. Of course, you're talking about Junior. Bobby Kennedy is long dead, but his son, uh, Junior, and you're right, he's, he's got 26% of the vote, and he's a likable guy. I like him, too. Unlike the president, who cognitive issues, old man, he's not likable. He's a liar. He's a criminal. And your column really goes on to uh, explain 
some of the issues that him and Congress are going to have with this Ukraine-Russia war. I mean, again, for the billionth time, just to reiterate, I don't care what Peter King or these other people say, even Gordon Chang, this uh, is not our business. We should not be getting involved. They're going to find a way, Putin, to either kill himself or have somebody kill him. They've hated each other for a very, 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 very long time. We are not doing anything but giving these people money to continue this war. This is an absolute embarrassment. But with that said, you believe that Biden and Congress have to answer a lot of questions. Absolutely. Biden and Congress have been duping the American public. Has Congress declared war on Russia? No. Can Congress declare war on Russia? Absolutely not, because Russia Russia does not pose a military threat to the United States. Instead, Congress is giving away $113 billion and is just furthering this illegal. You know, let me stop you for a second, because you just mentioned $113 billion. And every time I say $6 billion there, $10 billion there, somebody comes back and says to me, that's a drop in the bucket for our government. So I did some research. Do you know what you can do with $113 billion to improve education, <laughs> infrastructure, right? All the real issues in America, that ain't no drop in the bucket. $113 billion would go a long way to help our country. Correct. Now, what I just said and what you just said about the Ukraine war, two candidates for president agree, and only two, Donald Trump and RFK Jr., They both say it is none of our damn business. Now, here's the problem. Joe Biden and the Congress, Republicans agreeing with Biden on this, have sent military gear there that can only be operated by Americans. Are there troops on the ground? It depends on how you define them. There are American soldiers on the ground out of uniform. So that allows Biden to say there are no troops on the ground, but they're there. Out of uniform is insane. Without a uniform on, they are not protected by the Geneva Conventions. They can be captured and executed as spies legally under international law. So Joe Biden is risking not only Russian lives and Ukrainian lives, but American lives so that he can run for re-election as a wartime president. That's how much he thinks about human life and about right and wrong, which is very, very little. Wow, that is great stuff. What is the, uh, for folks that, of course, I don't millions read your stuff and listen to your great podcast every week, Judge Knapp, but what's the name of that column? The, the title of the column this morning is called War and Honesty, but you can get it at JudgeKnapp.com. You can, you can get it at my uh, podcast, which is Judging Freedom on YouTube. Right now we're up to 4 million uh, views a week. Not wow. bad. Started out with 93 um, subscribers. Are you kidding me? Four million. That's great. I've been very, very poor. Listen, this is an area I never expected would come to me. I've become the go-to place on the Internet for arguments against the Ukraine war. (laughs) And a lot of ex-CIA and ex-military high-ranking lifers come to me and come on air and explain how wrong the government is, how mis guided that the Biden uh, yep. uh, policies are. Well, listen, and I agree. I've been saying it. So did Bernie. And you know, I know O'Reilly disagrees with me. He's a much smarter guy than me, but he's wrong. I mean, this idea that if we don't do this, Putin's going to take over the world. Putin can't win a battle in his own backyard. He's getting his ass kicked by the Ukrainians. The Wagner group are going to mess with him. Stop it. I hope you will tell that to Bill when he's on with you. You can also tell him that with you moderating, I will debate him on the legality and the morality of America 
fighting Russia and using Ukraine as a battering ram. I love this. I'm going to make this happen, and we're going to put it live on BillOReilly.com. Your four million folks listening to your uh, podcast and WABC, so everybody wins, okay? You got it. (laughs) By the way, did the Catman buy CNN yet? Not yet. (laughs) Not yet, but don't worry. There's going to be a spot for you, I'm sure. You're great on TV, but... We're working on it. Uh, before that, though, in all seriousness, as the great American you are, enjoy the 4th of July coming up on Tuesday. And thank you for a great year so far. You've been great. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's the highlight of my week, Bernie. And happy thank and you. early Independence Day to you and your beautiful thank family. Thank you. And you call me Bernie, which is fine. I can take that. He's a wonderful man. So happens. <laughs> Moody Giuliani well, calls me Bernie every well, time he comes on. <laughs> <laughs> See you, buddy. Uh, all right. The great judge, Andrew Napolitano, does a great job here. I did bring Bernie up, so. Nice job, Bernie. There you go. Hey, great job, Bernie. It's, it's the yeah. highlight of my week, Bernie. Oh, yeah. Hey, Bernie, where do you want to go? Hey, great ratings, Bernie. Bernie, it's great. Um, I got 4 million listeners. Yeah. Get some cuts ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you this. Bernie's gone now, I don't know how long. He hasn't been on the air since last August. He died in October. You can count on one hand the amount of days. I haven't mentioned Bernard on this show. And he's gone like nine months. So I love that, man. Anyway, that wraps up uh, two hours. It's been great. Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Still to come, Joseph Takapina, Noam Layton, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle in studio, three members of the Gravesend cast, William and Christian DeMeo, and my buddy Peter Gordio in studio, and the attorney for Jordan Williams, who walked yesterday, Jason Goldman, all still to come. Keep it right here, folks. Thursday with Sid on WABC. Under perfect skin. Yeah, that is perfect skin. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Grounded to third. Donaldson has it. There it is. Perfection for Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman has thrown the 24th perfect game in baseball history. The fourth perfect game in Yankees history. And you will always remember where you were June 28th of 2023. Put your hair back. You get to leave. Eleven gallows on your sleeve. Shallow figure winners paid eleven shadows way out of place standing to soon shoulders Off the great Murmur album, this is R.E.M. Perfect Circle, which is a perfect song, thanks to Lou Rubino. Because as you heard from my friend Ryan Ruoco there, who's a very good announcer, 
Domingo Herman pitched a perfect game for the Yankees last night. Only the fourth ever. Don Larson did it in 1956. And the Yankees' five-game win over the Brooklyn Dodgers in the World Series. David Cohn did it in 1998. David Wells, 99. And now Herman. But uh, Ruhoko got a little carried away. As a lot of guys do when he goes, we'll all remember where we were on June. i tell you where we were, folks. Sleeping. 99% of New York was sleeping at 1 o'clock in the morning when that game against the lowly Oakland A's became official. No one saw it. Nobody. So you may want to save that type of statement for, like, I don't know, 9-11. Yeah, I don't know. Not uh, Domingo Herman against the lowly A's at 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, all remember. Yeah, I remember. I was sleeping. My next guest is the best uh, defense attorney in the country, Donald Trump's attorney, but so many great cases. And he's been spending time in Europe, Italy, and with his newly born grandson, Theo, in London. It's my friend, Joseph Takapina. Jojo, what's going on, pal? Hey, nice here in a rainy London day. And uh, I just want to say, God save the Queen, man. <laughs> <laughs> you and Joe Biden. Uh, were you watching Domingo Herman's perfect game against the A's in, I don't know, in uh, Kensington last night? Yeah, no, that would have been <laughs> six in the morning, my God. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I was not. I despise the Yankees. Wouldn't watch them anyway. The Mets. Put me into a depressive stupor. Can't watch them. I do like the Marlins, though. Said so they're my, you know, number two team because you know I have a, a a tie to Miami. I have a place there, and and you know we we it's not ready yet, but we'll go down there. But I like going to those games. Chris is down there. It's a cool stadium. They have air oh conditioning. Stop it. And they're a young. Stop they're, it. No, they're a young Stop fun it. team. I covered that Woody team. Perez is one of the best young pitchers Fine. in baseball. He, come on. This is a good, it's a good young team. Joe, I, I covered that team for 11 years. Don't forget I did sports at 790 The Ticket, WQAM, 640 Sports. I was there in 97 when they beat I the know. Cleveland Indians and won the World Series. I was there in 03 when they beat the Yankees. The stadium is stupid. They have this ridiculous thing. They finally got rid of it oh. in center field. It's way too many colors. The fans couldn't give a rat's ass. Most Good. fans don't even wear Marlins jerseys. They were the other team. No, no. No. Yes. Wrong. I, was th- I was there two weeks ago, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's turning around. First of all, it's, <laughs> yes, it's not a traditionalist baseball stadium for yeah. sure, right. but it's the perfect Miami stadium. White, those neon colors, the uniforms are great. Tell and me. more importantly, yeah. it's the only place in Miami that you could go and be cool. It I, I know. I mean, they, they've got it. I mean, this, you know, folks, they've got a swimming pool out in center field, and they literally have like the strippers from Tootsie's wearing like these little outfits that run around. That's their, that's their, uh, the actual entertainment. Not, not a hot dog chasing a hamburger, not a little kid running the bases. Strippers out in center field at a swimming pool. I'm sorry. And they, and they got a kid who's flirting with 400. I know. Oh, they got, he's playing great, yeah, that kid. No, listen, uh, they, they need to turn that one around. Yeah, they care about the Dolphins. Harris, Cy Young, yeah. you know, Perez, yeah. they'll be okay. They're they, good. they care about the Dolphins. They care about the Hurricanes. They love the heat. The Panthers come off that great year. You know, your kid works for Vinny Viola, but the Marlins need some work. Anyway, uh, Joe Tacopino live in London. So uh, you introduced me, because I guess he's in your office, to this kid, Jason Goldman, Turns out he's the face of a hugely popular case in this city. He's been on me once before, and that is the Jordan Williams case. In fact, Joseph, Jason's going to join me live coming up at 940. Thomas Kniff, Daniel Penny's attorney, he's going to join me tomorrow. And here you've got a case of two men acting mm-hmm. in self-defense, two men brave and courageous, 
Yet the black guy gets away with it and the white guy doesn't. That's all it comes down to, right? That's it. And, and yeah, I mean, I didn't see the outrage in the second case. I didn't see the outrage in the, in the case where, you know, the defendant, the, the, the person who caused the, the mortal wound was black. And I hate to think that that's all this is all about. I mean, because there was so much outrage when Daniel Perry did something that was justifiable by the law. Okay. Um, but when it was done by, an individual who was in his right, by the way, Jordan Williams, 100 percent acted within the boundaries of the law and properly. And I would have done the same thing. I think any decent citizen would have done the same thing. But, you know, the fact that he was black, I, there was absolutely no outrage from anyone. It, it's just it's so it's so obvious where the where the outrage comes from, not from the act itself, not from the the tragic death, just from a racial sort of undertone that yep. that sort of yep. serves agendas. And it's really wrong. That's why you I love mean, this look, show. That case, that's why you love this show, because I'm the only guy. speak straight here. Yeah. speak straight. That's the, you're, you're 100% right. And we don't have to be politically correct. We're, look, I try never to offend anyone for the purpose of offending anyone. But if some people can't deal with the reality of the fact that the only difference in these two cases, legally and factually, is simply that one of the def- defendants was black, the other one's white. Um, and it's wrong. It's wrong that there's such outrage against Daniel Perry, but there was o- almost support for, for um, you know, Williams. And listen, this case didn't even get to a case. The, the district attorney did the right thing. He dismissed the case in the grand jury. Yeah. So it wasn't even litigated. It wasn't yeah. like a, yeah. a, a, a trial win, which is great. But this case didn't even make it that far because Eric Gonzalez, the Brooklyn district attorney, as opposed to Alan Bragg, who has a Daniel Perry case, the Manhattan district attorney, had the, had the, the courage to put this for a grand jury and not try and overly present the case to just to get an indictment. Because any district attorney could secure an indictment in any case, because it's like they say you can indict a ham sandwich. You can. It's a one-sided proceeding. But, you know, what they did in that office, Eric Gonzalez's office, is they really um, put the facts in an unbiased manner, and they put the law. And the law is very clear. Under New York law, a person is justified to use deadly physical force when they reasonably believe it's necessary to use such force to defend themselves or, in Daniel Perry's case, others from imminent use of deadly or unlawful yep. physical force. Yep. There's no scenario where this case didn't qualify for that. This guy, this, this, of course, shock, not shockingly, he was a, a predicate felon, right? He was someone who already had a massive criminal record, the, uh, the deceased. Um, I can't even pronounce his name, but, you know, he, he literally came up, verbally assaulted William's girlfriend. Then when Williams pushed him away from her, he came back, threw a punch at the girlfriend, grabbed Williams by the neck, I mean, game, set, and match right there. There's yep. no yep. scenario where you cannot yep. defend yourself. And if it means mortally wounding him, it means mortally wounding him. Too bad, too sad. Yep. Um, you know, he started. He's the one who put them in danger. There's no difference between those facts. Look, the facts are different slightly, but the law, as it relates to the facts, are no different than the Perry case. Yep. When, when, again, when there is someone who is in, you know, danger, okay, to the imminent use of deadly or unlawful force, well, the the Perry case was an example. The, the, the guy who, who, who died um, was threatening the imminent use of physical force. Hundred percent. Now, Jordan, Jordan Neely, Jordan Neely actually said on the train, "Someone's going to die today. I don't care if I go to right. prison." Jordan Neely yeah. was was he might have been. Look, we know he went through the tragedy, and then he likes to like Michael Jackson. He was a low life. He had a bunch of arrests. He uh, punched a sixty-seven-year-old innocent lady in the face. Yep. He was a danger. He punched was a, a danger. You punch a sixty-seven-year-old anything, let alone a sixty-seven-year-old lady. Yeah, you deserve to rot in hell. You deserve, of course, to rot in hell, of course. But yeah. so he was a danger. Someone had the courage to defend others or himself, 
and and had the the you know the wherewithal, the physical abilities to do that, where most people would you know tower and 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 be concerned and nervous. He stood up and defended that train. That's why the people on that train are resoundingly supporting Daniel Perry, as they should, as they should. Look, I think I, this is a trial that case. Right? Unless the district attorney does some you know, about face, which is going to be hard for him to do now because he's locked and loaded. Um, this case is there's no scenario where this guy will be convicted at trial. Well, I agree. Um, honestly, I agree. Yeah. you know, if I were doing this case, I would, this is one of those I would do for free because yeah. I believe yeah. so much because we're in an important time in New York City. People are afraid to ride the trains. Said They're afraid to ride the trains. The fact that you and look what's happening. It's, it's like oh, every day there's a violent act on the trains. And it's like this is our city is now going to be overtaken by violent thugs. I mean, it's 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 horrible. You have to be able to defend yourself. No, no one wants it to get to that point. But for God's sakes, you know, if someone's doing that, causing physical harm, threatening death to others, they, they deserve to be dealt with. I agree. Uh, look, he's got a great attorney, Thomas Knipp, a guy. He served yeah, our country. He actually ran against Alvin Bragg for the Manhattan DA. That's when I first met Thomas. I had him on the show when he was running. He lost. But between him and Steve Razor, Daniel Penny has two great attorneys, so we'll see. Got yeah. about two minutes. I want to get to Trump here for a second. Of course, sure. uh, you got a big win, and I'll keep saying it. I don't care about the second rap they applied to Trump and the stupid fine. All she talked about was rape. There was no rape. rape. She's a liar. So here's the good news. Yeah. She lied about that. So Trump said, well, hold on a second. She's suing me for defamation. The jury said she lies. I'm going to sue her for defamation. And that's what happened yesterday. What are your thoughts on Trump's lawsuit, defamation against E. Jean Carroll? He's got a right. He's got an absolute right now to do it because this case was always about rape. It was rape, 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 rape. First words out of her mouth and on her direct testimony, E. Jean Carroll was, he raped me. He raped me. They said it over 100 times between the opening, her direct testimony, and the closing. Rape. The word rape came out over 100 times at trial. Wow. So she's still going around calling him a rapist. Okay. He's not a rapist. The jury, and this don't forget, this was a civil case. All you needed was 51% from the burden of proof standpoint, 51% to find him liable. It's a civil case, not a criminal case where you have proof beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the highest end the law permits. This is different. This was simply a, a civil case where just 51% liability gets a finding of, of rape. The jury blew that away. Um, and, and that's all she focused on. So, you know, for her to go out there and continue to, you know, saying he, she was raped by Donald Trump. Well, the jury said, no, she wasn't. So she should stop saying it. And I understand why the president would would want to, um, you know, sort of exercise his rights. The jury vindicated him in that regard. Um, the other stuff, there was no finding on what, what they claim Trump did to her. I read some quotes about you know, what, what the jury allegedly found. The jury found nothing. They just found sexual abuse, which, again, that's the Access Hollywood tape coming alive in that courtroom, which was played five times for the jury. Where, you know, if he was, if you took him literally, it, it equates to that. Okay. It equates to a sexual abuse, but that, that was, that was locker room talk, as we said, as he said. But, you know, listen, he was fighting a massive uphill battle in that case. The fact that we won the rape case is yep. something that, you know, it was important for the campaign. It was important for him personally. 100%. Now is important for the uh, litigation. Yeah. I remember I texted you right away. I was on Newsmax. I was on TV and I'm like, Man, congratulations, you just won. And even you, because you're the best attorney in the country, so you don't want any charge. I don't want no charges, no fines. Right. You were like, are you sure? I go, yeah, you bastard, you just won. Yeah, you, you were the first. And then I got a call from the president who said, hey, congratulations, we beat the rape dance. And right. the campaign called me. And, you know, and, and look, it, it didn't happen. So it's not like, you know, 
I, 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 one of these cases where, you know, there was clear evidence of guilt and, and whatever, but we were fighting a different battle there. We were fighting a, a, an anonymous jury. We didn't even know who these people were, which really is unheard of. I'm not talking about anonymous to the public, but anonymous to the lawyers. So we couldn't even do our background research. Said, Let me explain just the significance of that for a second. When you have a jury, the lawyers, at the very least, even in mob cases, the lawyers know who the jurors are so they can do their due diligence. As a matter of fact, if you know who the jurors are and you don't do a social media check on them to see if they posted anything adverse to the case or your client or anything else, it's, it's ineffective assistance of counsel, malpractice, okay? It, it literally is. There's case law on that. Well, we couldn't do that because we just looked at faces. We had no idea who these people were. And then when you have all these things come in, like women making allegations from 40 years ago, from 10 years ago, and then this tape coming in, which is so irrelevant to the E. Jean Carroll case, that Access Hollywood tape, you know, and then we're in New York County, and we don't know who would deal with this, the jurors. So it's, it's, he had all the odds stacked yep. against him. Yep. Um, a judge yep. who wasn't particularly friendly to him, to put it mildly. And, uh, you know, we wound up with a result that, you know, at the end of the day, served its purpose. Um, perfect? No, absolutely not. Um, but the appeal, I think, is going to be where, where he comes out on top completely. He's on top right now. I'll tell you what, every time they indict this poor bastard, arrest him, arraign him, and do these types of things, his numbers goes through the roof. I don't want to hear about DeSantis. It's not even a race. It's a joke. It's unbelievable. But yeah. here's the scary part. So it's going to be President Trump against who? I don't know. It cannot be. It cannot be Joe Biden. I mean, it can't be. I mean, it's getting to the point where, no, no. It's sad. Like, you know, look, I don't like him. I think I think the evidence of his, of his conducting um, – sort of fagazi dealings with overseas yep. governments and vendors yep. and yep. all that. I mean, it's becoming yep. it's becoming abundantly clear. Why there's no outrage there, I have no idea. Because if that, but those deals were Donald Trump, oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. My God, they would have him, they would be baying for his scalp today. But, you know, you do feel bad because you look at him, he, it's, it's, you're seeing all the characteristics. And, you know, I had a father-in-law who went through this. You're seeing all the characteristics of Alzheimer's and the shuffle, you know, the, the, this forgetting things. The God Save the Queen Man thing was just like, what is going on? Is he singing a, a Sex Pistol song right now? Or, <laughs> wow. That's what I thought he was doing. I thought yeah. he was mocking the Sex yeah. Pistols. I'm like, what's going on? And then, of course, the horrific thing yesterday or the day before where Putin is um, losing the war to Iraq. Uh, Iraq, uh, yes. You know, he was close. Uh, he was close. Like, I know. Had a vow in it. No, it is sad. Oh, my yep. God. Yeah, well, that's why enjoy uh, England. I was there not that long ago, too, when I came back and just ripped this city and this state and this country apart because I tried to compare it to, to England, and it's, you know, it's just not a fair comparison. But enjoy that uh, beautiful grandson, Theo, of yours. And another brilliant, great, tremendous appearance. We love you. And uh, we'll talk to you when you get back home soon. Great job. Okay. See you later. Thank you, Joseph. There he is, famed defense attorney Joseph Tacopina, right here on Sid and Friends. And he is in England this morning with his beautiful grandson, Theo. Still to come. Bill O'Reilly, Bo Dito's live in studio. Bo plays a major role in Gravesend. And right after Bo is done, three members of the Gravesend cast, including writer, director, star William DeMeo, his son Christian, and Peter Gordio live in studio. And then the aforementioned attorney for Jordan Williams, Jason Goldman. Plus, no, lots more to do. Thursday edition of the number one talk show in New York City, and it ain't close. It's me, it's us, sitting friends in the morning. Buzzes like a
Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. a little funny joke here before we get to know him and then the great Bill O'Reilly she said uh, following up on Donald Trump's great book Art of the Deal Joe Biden should write his book and title it Art of the Steel oh I like it <laughs> Danielle oh. from downtown oh. swish and what's the foul Bang! How about that? Hot, smart, and funny. Oh, the Nets want to talk it over. <laughs> yeah. Danielle's coming tonight, so is Gabe to the big Gravesend red carpet premiere. We're all excited about it. In fact, Danielle and Gabe were in episode nine, the uh, the last uh, the last episode of the July 4th show with Bo Deedle. We'll see if uh, if Willie kept them in there. I don't know. We'll talk to DeMeo coming up at 925. But before Bill O'Reilly, quickly, Gnomes Nuggets. What do you got today, Gnome? The, uh, the outrage, Sid, continues over Ryan Seacrest landing this job on Wheel of Fortune. $28 million a year Jesus. he'll get, right? It's ridiculous. I mean, between him and Michael Strahan, it's almost like give somebody else a chance. Well, that's the issue. So, right, so... He got American Idol, right? He's good at this, right? He's, he's great at American Idol. Here he is. America, remember, you vote, you decide, and this is American Idol. Yeah, you know, he's got that whole thing down. This is an American. You know, he sounds great on that. No two ways about it. He's good on that, yeah. But then he gets all these other jobs. So remember when Casey Kasem passed away? Well, now we're up to the first chart single by a new band called Tommy Tuto. I mean, there was nobody. <laughs> a single well, you you got to play the, the, the bit with the dog with Casey Kasem. Yeah, well, yeah. Dumb, dog die, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. It was a great bit. No, I know he took over his radio yeah, show in so Los now Angeles. here he is. He's doing Casey Kasem. Thanks for joining us. My name is Ryan. Seacrest, as you know, these are the most popular songs, and we are coming to you from Hollywood. Okay, so that's three jobs he has already, right? We're counting. Did you mention the Kelly job yet? Well, I haven't gotten to all the jobs yet. So then Dick Clark has a stroke, you'll remember, and he does the rocking New Year's Eve. They put that poor bastard on television like that. That was a great move. (laughs) Stop it. He was was worse than I miss on TV. He's like Biden. Yeah. Yeah. And they they put him on TV on this uh, rocking New Year's Eve, and he has the stroke. And there is, if I watch the clip, it's infuriating, actually. Because there you see Ryan Seacrest on the set with Dick Clark as Dick Clark is trying to find the right words. Oh and then he applauds <laughs> him off because he knows it's his show. I'm marking my 40th year. Ryan is about 34 years behind me. That's not bad. Do you have a fan? Dick Clark. All right, Mr. President. You know, I hate to say it, it does sound like Joe Biden. Yeah. Really does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He really does. 
So uh, Ryan Seacrest <laughs> applauds Dick Clark off the set. He gets that show, yeah. right? So now he's got America's Top 40, Casey, uh, American Idol, New Year's Rocking Eve, and he has this national radio show on iHeartRadio. Good morning. You're on air with Ryan Seacrest, 102.7 KISS FM. Ryan Seacrest will be ready weekday mornings on KISS FM. Yes, so he still has that radio show. <laughs> I know. And, okay, Texas so... on small of his own club. Yeah. <laughs> Then watch me. He gets all those jobs, and then he gets another one. Uh, he Michael Strahan all of a sudden gets shoved off. Uh, Kelly and Michael wasn't all of a sudden. She thought he was a dick. So do I. So, but clearly she had <laughs> Ryan Seacrest uh, waiting in the wings. Now here are Kelly Ripa yeah. and Ryan Seacrest. Well, you got to leave it to me. It is uh, sitting friends in the morning to make this story about me. And, of course, my Ryan Seacrest moment on that show was when Kelly Ripper was kind enough, beautiful heart that she's got, to hold up my last book, Citizens United, in front of three million viewers on Channel 7. She did it. And I'll never forget Ryan Seacrest folding his arms, tilting his head backwards, rolling his eyes, and looking to the ceiling like, hey, Kelly, will you stop talking about that guy? I'll never forget that. Never. And he, book sales went through the roof. Yes, that day they did, yes. No. <laughs> he was horrified. <laughs> he was horrified. Yeah. <laughs> this is my worst moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work he's got there, no? Yeah, so he gives up that straight, you know, he does uh, Kelly and um, and uh, him, Ryan. He gives up that show clearly because he had found out he had gotten this the um, Wheel of Fortune show. They negotiated this no two ways about it a long time ago because it, it happened too quickly. Right, he and uh, Pat Sachek announces, and th- you know, they, right away you hear Ryan Seacrest as the you know rumored guy, and then he yeah. gets it two yeah. days later. So he has that show. Then he has, um, he still is the producer and host of E's Red Carpet Show. Right. He was the producer of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. He created that show. Yeah, he did. He sold that to Hulu, so he doesn't have that anymore. The Shaws of Sunset on Bravo. Love that's that his love show. That love yeah, Reza, yeah, my yeah. boy Reza. Yeah, and Gigi Golnessa. Yeah, it's a great show. What yeah. the hell are you guys talking about? Fat girl, MJ. <laughs> you had some of them in here. Yeah, we did. We had a bunch of those in here, yes. That's right. I mean, how much money does this guy need? My God. And it doesn't end there. Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution, oh, yeah. that's his show. Um, uh, he does uh, Married to the Jonas, that uh, reality show oh, that was on for a right, while. Right, that's yeah. with that's Kevin his. and Danielle. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the question I ask is when yeah. Bob Barker left... They yeah. gave the show to someone who didn't have a job. Drew Carey right. had lost his sitcom. They gave a guy, a jobless guy, sure. a job. Yeah. When uh, Alex Trebek died, they gave the job to a guy who needed a job. Ken Jennings, he didn't yeah. have a job. Yeah. But somehow this guy yeah. is going to get paid $28 million dollars yeah. a year. Well, here's the moral of the story. There's no God. No, not only that. <laughs> you're right about that. Okay. But Ryan Seacrest spent a lot of time... A lot of time in the back seat Uh-oh. of Merv Griffin's car oh, when he was a young man Uh-oh. trying to enter the business. Hey, what are you what? trying to say? What? what I'm trying to say is July 1st yet? <laughs> <laughs> this is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. I mean, I'm running because I feel like my party has lost its way. Um, that the values that my uncle represented, my father represented when they were Democrats uh, have been uh, uh, neglected, let's say. Um, and I want to try to bring the Democratic Party back to those values, the values that were, you know, in, in favor of 
focused on on the middle class in this country, focused on 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 labor, on uh, on racial, on you know, on the on the well being of minorities in this country, focused on the environment. Um, particularly on civil liberties and freedom of speech, which uh, the, the party has uh, seems to have forgotten about. And the party traditionally was anti-war as well. My uncle, President Kennedy, was asked by his best friend what he wanted on his epitaph, on his gravestone, and he said he kept the peace. He said the principal job of an American president is to keep the country out of war. And the, the Democratic Party has represented those views since its inception, and uh, I think, you know, particularly what we're doing now in Ukraine uh, is a departure from that. And I don't mean that, um, you know, I'm very, very sympathetic to the Ukrainian people, and I am not sympathetic to Putin, who invaded the Ukraine brutally and illegally and unnecessarily. But uh, we have we have neglected many, many opportunities to settle this war peacefully. That's RFK Jr. Depending upon what poll you look at, I saw one this morning, Biden, 60%, RFK Jr., 17%, not close, 43 points. That's basically what Trump is doing to DeSantis. So we're getting excited about Kennedy and his uncle and his father. Truth is, he's got no chance. But we'll see as we draw closer. And he said some good things there. The Democrat Party is not what it used to be. And Bill O'Reilly has been saying that, oh, I don't know, forever. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best, whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC or his own website, BillOReilly.com. His interviews, his TV shows, all that stuff is amazing. His columns every week are great. His morning message is fantastic. And his Killing series with Killing the Witches coming out next continues to be amazing with every book, every book a bestseller. With that said, here he is, the highest ratings of any show on this station all week, Rosenberg and O'Reilly at 840. My friend Bill O'Reilly. Good morning, Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. So well, you heard RFK Jr. there, and uh, it didn't sound well, but uh, nevertheless, talking about his father and his uncle and how the Democrat yeah. Party has changed. What are your thoughts, Bill? Number one, he puts you as the vice president, Sid. <laughs> Okay, that's number one. I can okay, fix it. So then I'll double his, double his uh, 18%, whatever he's got. Um, I've known him for decades. Uh, he's got a throat condition, uh, a medical condition, um, which is why he sounds raspy all the time. Yeah. So um, analyzing um, his view, his vision uh, for the country and the world, you find one really um, – disturbing flaw and that is he seems to believe that his uh uncle president kennedy was a peace at any cost guy which he wasn't uh everybody of a certain age remembers that that was the closest the usa ever got to nuclear war when jfk threw up a blockade of cuba against the russians nikita khrushchev And JFK did that because he knew that Khrushchev was uh, trying to dominate the world, as she and China is doing now, and that he was bellicose, word of the day, trying to make America look weak. And so Kennedy did what had to be done, but he put the country at risk. I was a little kid at the time, and we had at St. Bridges School in Westbury, we had these uh, 
drills where we had to go under the desk and hold our hands over our heads just in case a nuke dropped Jeez. on the uh, yeah. <laughs> on the mm-hmm. roof of the school, right? So all the kids had to do this. Um, so Kennedy doesn't really remember uh, what happened because his father was very aggressive in foreign affairs, very aggressive. That was the origins of the Vietnam War under JFK. So I don't think Bobby Kennedy Jr. knows his history. Well, that, or he's uh, ignoring it. No, he probably he's probably ignoring it. Maybe both. Maybe both. But you know, so yeah, what he is, doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't. His boy, yeah. his his uncle was was no isolationist, and he was defending uh, yeah. freedom against communism big time. Well, let me let me let me let me let me, let me st- reason, Yeah, let me. The only st- reason that, that Kennedy is got his twenty percent or eighteen percent is the vax. Right. Right. So there are a substantial number of Americans who hate the vaccine industry, big pharma. They don't trust it. Um, they don't trust big government. They don't trust COVID. They don't trust anything. Kennedy wrote a best-selling book. It did very well. And the only people who bought it were people who hate the vax. And I'll submit to you, and it's both on the right and the left, okay, which is why you see people like Tucker Carlson liking uh, uh, RFK, all right, because there is a feeling among Americans that uh, you cannot trust anything that's coming out of the C- CDC and you'll turn into a werewolf or whatever they think. <laughs> but that is his entire constituency. Well, I think that Democrats are just uh, so upset with Biden. I think most people are upset with Biden. They're just looking for somebody out there. I mean, I can't tell you, Bill, and I don't have the answer. How many times somebody says to me, if not Biden, who? And uh, we've done this before, I know, but Gavin Newsom and, you know, the vice president right now, she's a complete waste of time. So RFK Jr. becomes somewhat attractive because, quite frankly, Bill, there's nobody else. No, that's the scenario as it stands today. But you keep your eye, and we've discussed this, as you mentioned, on Michelle Obama. <clears throat> uh, right now, no indications that she wants to get in this or have any part of politics, but she is the only hope, unless Trump runs and you get that anti-Trump vote. Remember, nobody voted for Joe Biden. Nobody. They all voted against Donald Trump. Um, but uh, Biden is a certified disaster. <laughs> yeah, a little Certifi- bit. <laughs> I mean, he, they should be... They should be giving away T-shirts. <laughs> Biden is a disaster. That's all. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, you know, and, uh, and, and there's no. And if you like, I I um, held uh, my former colleague Juan Williams up for derision the other day. Uh, and I have nothing against Juan. I use them a lot on the factor, um, but he'll defend Biden no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. It doesn't matter what it is. Juan will come out and defend him. We have people who do that with Trump. There's no doubt we do. But once you get to that point where you're defending the indefensible, like MSNBC, oh, it's really good. I really like it. Uh, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how I both about Juan when, when he was on the five. I couldn't stand him. Maybe a nice guy. don't know him well enough. But I couldn't stand him because of what you're saying. Not because he, he, he uh, you know, was for Democrats, but he would stick up for people who were indefensible, as you would say. But, you know, uh, I know that the, the thought is that Biden can still beat Trump. He's the only one. My question to you is simple. 
And I know we're not there yet. It's it's not really early. Let's stop with it's early. It's not early. It's not late, but it's not early. Why are we still having this DeSantis conversation? He gets battered every week. It doesn't matter whether Trump gets arraigned, arrested, indicted. He's moving up in the polls. Why is there still this almost this fable that Ron DeSantis is a legitimate competitor for Donald Trump? He's not. Well, not now. When? When? (laughs) If Trump, if something happens to Trump, the Republicans will coalesce around DeSantis. The problem with the governor of Florida is he's a terrible campaigner. I, 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 whenever I see him, I go, he's a charisma bypass, right? Yep. I mean, you got to inject some kind of humanity into him. He looks like a, a humanoid. He looks like an AI out there, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Yes. I don't like the haircut. It's too Mayberry RFD. Uh, you know, I, 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 I would have his wife campaign for him. I know. Um, yep. Because she's good. She's like, whoa. But he gets up there and um, compare him to Trump. I mean, come on. On a campaign, he just doesn't have the pizzazz. Uh, and that is hurting him because we live in the United States with pizzazz. <laughs> you don't have it. Uh, that's why RFK is even being discussed. He's got a little pizzazz because of his yeah. uh, name and, right. and his family. Well, that's it, of course. And then, you know, this like this uh, Chris Christie, for example. Okay, he had his time. Unfortunately, it was 11 years ago. Now no one cares. He's a failed governor involved in two scandals, and he looks just fat and jealous. I hate to say it. And he's on Fox News this morning yelling about Trump. And don't these people understand, Bill, that every time one of these Republicans, even Democrats, yell and scream about Donald Trump, it just makes people want Trump to win even more? He's not He's not hurting Trump. He's helping Trump, Chris Christie. Yeah, I mean, but it's you've got to step back for a moment and understand motivations. So Donald Trump, he is far ahead in the Republican polling, and at this point in history, no one will beat him. However, there are things that he has to deal with in the upcoming months, as we all know, and we don't know how those things are going to play out or what effect they will have on the voter. But the MAGA people will stay with Trump no matter what. MAGA is 35 to 40 percent of the Republican constituency. So he comes in with that. And that's almost impossible for any contender to overcome. But in the general election, you still have that I would rather have Beaver Cleaver president (laughs) than Donald Trump. Yeah. You, and that's not going to go away because Donald Trump will not pivot and run on his record. He will not do it. And everybody goes, why, 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 why? There is no why in Trump world. That word does not exist in Trump world. He does what he wants to do. Well, it's worked out for him. I do want to ask you about this uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict, that whole the ragtag Wagner army. I mean, why anybody treated that as a serious story on Saturday? Even the first thing I said to Danielle was, this is a joke. Of course they're going to turn around. Putin's going to kill them all. And they turned around and, but, oh, no, Putin's weaker. He's weaker. Let me tell you something, okay? He's running again. He's been in power for 24 years. He's going to win again. So unless somebody kills him or something happens, I can, you can bet on this. Putin is going to win again. So for a guy getting weaker and losing the war every day, 
It doesn't seem that way to me, Bill. Wagner turned around. Nobody's forcing Putin out of power. What's really going on with Russia and Ukraine? Okay. Again, step back, big picture. Putin has an offer from MSNBC to do a primetime show. <laughs> so he may take that and say, you know, really it isn't worth it here anymore in Moscow. I live in Miami, and I'll go on NBC every night that's and funny. say whatever I want to say. Okay, that's number one. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Um, there was a disaster that this Wagner group, which is the spear point of uh, Putin's military, because um, apparently uh, young men in Russia do not want to fight. Right. We're not talking Cossacks here. We're not talking Stalin's army at Stalingrad. Okay? We're not talking about that. We're talking about guys uh, in Minsk going, uh, Nick, I'm not going <laughs> over to Ukraine. And get blown to pieces. Yeah. All right? They're running away. They're going to Moldova. I mean, you got to be desperate to go to Moldova. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm telling you, if you're fleeing to Moldova, things are bad. Okay. Yeah. So Putin loses an efficient fighting force. They're gone. In the wind, vapor. Now, the chubby guy who runs it, uh, who looks like he owns a deli uh, and once did, <laughs> he he's toast. I mean, this guy's going to no, uh, be found in a submersible oh. by the Titanic soon. <laughs> okay? But he's not going to pay to go down, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So he's done. But that whole Wagner uh, mercenary stuff is over. So now Putin is left with a fifth-rate army that's getting its butt kicked by Ukraine, who can't even get into the bobsled competition in the Olympics. <laughs> that's true. Even Jamaica had a team. I think Herschel Walker was on one of those teams. Uh, you're right. It, it, it's, it's ugly, and it wasn't a three-day war, but I, I just don't see anybody taking him out. I, I think he wins no, again. But it, it's, what it is is, is a gradual, chaotic decline and he has lost all his – they don't fear him. They fear him in the sense that he can kill you at any moment. Right. Right. If they didn't fear right. him, the Wagner group would have gone straight to Moscow, not turn around and fear. But believe me when I tell you, Saudi Arabia, which was cozying up to him, other countries, they saw this. And I go, you know, old Blad, he's uh, not as powerful. I don't know. I, I, there's one country that I know continues to cozy up to him. And they're a heck of a lot more dangerous than Saudi Arabia, and quite frankly, more dangerous than us. And that's Ping and China. He still has them. That's a big one. They want that oil from uh, Russia, and that's going to keep them in the game. Right. But believe me, Xi knows what's going on over there. And uh, I don't think you're going to see Xi making any trips to Moscow anytime soon. Yeah, well, probably not. He does everything underground anyway. But uh, at any rate, this has been another fascinating conversation. Uh, what do you think of Steve Cohen's uh, state of the team address uh, last night when he basically said, look, it's getting late, but it's not too late. And I mean, Bill, we are terrible. The Mets terrible. OK, so on Tuesday, I was uh, at the game where the Mets won. And then I spent about a half hour with Mr. Cohen. Uh, we chatted. I'm not going to tell you what the chat was about because it was a private conversation. Um, I am not going to manage the team, though. I, I'll tell everybody <laughs> that. I'm just way, way too busy. And right. It's not Buck's fault. 
if I were Buck, I'd, I'd be a little bit more Putin-esque, if you know what I mean. Yes. I mean, those players have got to get some sense of urgency in there. So uh, Rosenberg and I are going to the game on July 15th. Can't wait. Uh, against the Dodgers. We're both going to dress up as the sisters of perpetual <laughs> indulgence. <You'll see> us. <laughs> okay. And oh, we're going to heckle the Dodgers. That's yep. why I got the seats right uh, down on the field. That's great. Um, yeah, we're heckling them. And it's WABC Pride Night. <laughs> so when we go to the Mets. We are going. It's, it's not really Pride Night, but we are going. And I got to give you credit in the last 30 seconds here because you were the first one. Came a big story. And I saw Clay Travis and all these folks, uh, you know, um, furious on Fox News. But to your credit, Bill, you were the first one to really get angry at what the Dodgers ended up doing. They still did it. They still had that. They still did it, it but they, yes. did it. they did it when nobody was in the stadium. Did you notice that? Yes. Yes. They honored these two nuts, loons, um, just two of them, and nobody was in the stadium. So, you know, that's like getting a, a Hall of Fame, broadcasting Hall of Fame, Sid Rosenberg. The ceremony is on Saturday night. They give you the award on Thursday. <laughs> What it is. I know. That'll be my luck, too, if I ever get that far. Hey, uh, Bill, you were brilliant as always this morning. You know this segment is great. Highest-rated segment of the week. I love you. We'll do it again next Thursday. And I look forward to the 15th with you at the Met game. Thank you so much. All right. Get your nun habit. Get it, get it ready. <laughs> okay, I'll be ready. Us. You got it. There he is. <laughs> the great Bill O'Reilly. Funny as hell today, too. Informative and funny. Check out my man Bill O'Reilly, 9 p.m. every weeknight here on WABC. And, of course, BillOReilly.com. That wraps up three hours. we got a really good hour number four about to come your way. Live in studio, Bo Deedle. Then live in studio at the red carpet later on tonight. Three members of the Gravesend cast, including the star, the writer-director, William DeMeo, his son, Christian DeMeo, and Peter Gornio. And then Jordan Williams' attorney, Jason Goldman, as Williams gets to walk. Fourth and final hour coming up next. Sitting friends in the morning. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is funny, angry young man. Billy Joel, I got to give Bo 12 or 13 minutes. He comes on. He's got more notes than Biden has in a month. Here he is, everybody. I can't here. see the table. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Tuesdays at 740, live here. Great cop, great actor, dear friend. He ready to go. He's ready. Bo Dietl, get it, Bo. All right, all right. How about we got breaking news? You're going to hear it first on the Sid in the Morning Show. Guess what? I, I'm a little late today because I... I masticated this morning. You know why? Oh, you read you know news. why? I know why. I heard George Soros had a major stroke. Major stroke. That's right, Georgie. Did you take the pipe yet, you commie? Well, let me tell you George something. Be Soros careful what you wish for because his son is worse. Stroke. And his son is a douchebag, yes. too. We can't do nothing about it. But you want to know something, George? It's God working in mysterious ways. Take him, God. Take him off this earth already. He's a commie. He supported Antifa and everything. And now, talking about dickheads, Lachlan, Lucky Sperm, Murdoch is back in the news. Guess what they're doing? Fox News now came out 
Tucker Carlson, the number one guy on Fox News, they removed him because he was too conservative for them. And you know what that's Lachlan Murdoch did? And Lachlan, your name is all over the emails and your name is all over the text messages on these lawsuits. And the $2.5 billion lawsuit still coming, Lachlan. And you're the dickhead. The board of directors of Fox News should throw you the hell out. All you are is a lucky sperm. Guess what they're doing now? They will not run any PAC, any Republican PAC commercials that have any likeness of Tucker Carlson in there. They will not run any PAC commercials that have these animals that were during the summer of 2020, the Antifa, all the riots. They will not run it. Why? Because he's a liberal punk, Lachlan. And I told you. And you know what? I'm coming, too. I've got two attorneys <laughs> that are going to go after you with all your bullcrap. What do you want to write about me again? You're right. I got on the phone, and you know what she was doing? Humming, humming, humming. Because I said, you're a journalist? She come from Canada or something. I said, you call yourself a journalist? You never fact-checked anything. And all they did is printed. Headline. Headline. What's the next headline on Bo? There, Lucky Sperm. Hey, t- Lucky Sperm. Tom Cruise. Well, what Tom does that mean? Cruise. I keep having people ask me what that Let means. Why, why Tom don't you, Cruise. Why don't you have me come to Fox News? I told you, Lachlan, you got 15 security guys, 14 lawyers. I don't care because you don't want to know the truth, you punk. All you are is a luck, and you're no Rupert Murdoch. And, Rupert, I know you're still breathing the air. Please get rid of this kid. Please. Roger Ailes made Fox News. They hate Roger Ailes. You know why? Roger's the one that said... That Lachlan is a lucky sperm. That's my friend Roger that told me. And how correct he was. Oh, my God. All right, let's get to some stuff here in New York. First of all, I've been communicating with our mayor. And Phil Banks and he everybody. got back to our yeah 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 yeah. All right, good. So when this thing, I'm out. I'm clearly out at this point. When Go ahead. when uh, when when I gave my opinion about Je- Jessica Jessica Tish. Tish. Yeah. Now, what our, is your opinion? I haven't okay, heard. Okay, I changed my opinion yesterday. I talked to the great John Miller. Probably one of the best guys we Love ever had John. in the police department. Yeah. John gave me a little schooling about her, you know, three uh, degrees from Harvard and all that stuff. The technology side, what she implemented with the police department was devastatingly good. So I have to apologize on that aspect of uh, Oh, you know, it's the, funny because I said that to Curtis Lee this morning. I said I had heard the same thing. Okay, okay. With Nothing that said, done, no. and even John said, she's great. She would be a great first deputy commissioner to, to bring all the intelligence and all that. Very nice. But she would not be a good police commissioner. Got it. The rank and file ain't going to accept her. You got guys, career cops there. We're going to look at, because she has three Harvard degrees and because she comes from my friends. They're all my friends, the Tish. Bob Tish, the fathers, I knew them all. I yeah. used to have them up at yeah. Rayos. Yeah. She's, a, she's a good woman, and she certainly could have a position as maybe a first deputy deputy or something like that. Well, but Eddie Caban is my guy. Well, let me ask that for and a second. I, I know you love Eddie Caban, yeah. but the reason why the rank and file won't accept her is because she's a woman, because Sewell was, or because she just doesn't have the experience for that job. No, she doesn't have the experience working with the rank and okay. file with cops. She's not. And I'm going to tell you something about Keyshawn. I was with her at a cocktail party last week. Very impressive. I love her. And I'm going to tell you something. Tough. And look look when she got hired. She got hired on the, on the combat situation. Two cops killed. Then I think seven yeah. other shot yeah. shot yeah. in the head. She went right into yeah. it. I was in St. Patrick's and you were there yeah. when she gave her speeches. She oh, was a, she's a she great, was the best one. She is a yes, great. That lady. was when uh, Ramos and Moya got gunned down in Harlem. Right, and I mean she, she was picked great. up on it. She's a combat veteran in the sense she was really loved by the rank and file. Who were your commissioners? 
on your police detectives. Uh, my police commissioner. <laughs> we, we go back, a guy named Murphy, a guy named McGuire. McGuire was a great commissioner. He's yeah. the one that, against all the chiefs, he promoted me to detective. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I was 50, uh, 51 out of 50 detectives, and I shook every one of the hand. Guido was the chief of uh, internal affairs. I shook his hand. Little Jimmy Sullivan, chief of detectives, got pissed off at me and Tommy Collin because we broke the biggest case with the nun rape, and he couldn't take credit. Uh, through invent cancer investigation, the detective bureau broke this case. They had 200 detectives. You know who broke the case? Tom Collar and Bo Deedle, and they were going, humming, humming, humming. And you know what a reward was? Ship me one end of Brooklyn to the seventh fight, the killing field. Tommy the other end. And little did they know, they put Bo in the killing field. And all of a sudden, Bo popped up, locking up the guy that killed 10 people. And he goes, what's Bo Deedle doing there? You put me there, dickhead. All right, so now, so now, let's go. Let's go with Daniel Perry, you know, and I'm calling out to the lawyers. Hold on a second. Why do you and Joe Tacopina continue to call him Daniel Perry? His name is Daniel Penny. 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 Why do I keep putting Hold on. Penny. Tacopina called him Daniel Perry. All right, Penny, I apologize. And thank you for your service, Marine Corps uh, Daniel Penny, Penny, I apologize. And I'm going to tell you something. I stand by, and I'm the guy that they want to put as an expert witness during this trial. Oh, uh, did Tom Kniffert out to you? Right. I've, yes. I, no, I've, uh, no, I've, I've arrested, we all know, the hundreds of people that I put in headlocks and chokeholds. Nobody died. I could testify. In reality, normally they black out, you drop them on the floor, and, they, and then you slap them in the face, and they come to. This one here didn't happen like that. Terrible tragedy. And then all of a sudden you got And this. you say it didn't happen like that. We are still yet to see the toxicology report. I don't want to put any rumors out there, but we know George Floyd, for example, who was murdered, no question by that fentanyl. cop. He was fentanyl, heroin, all of yeah. it. So let's see what really was the case for George yeah, and, the and, and, I'm sorry, was smoking K2. And then, and then, and you know, you know what K2 is. That K2 makes you go doodle yeah. That's the old angel dust stuff. But listen, then, then you got Jordan Williams, and all of a sudden, the reality is he stabbed him. I mean, that's like, ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, if I stab you in the chest, I said, I'm looking to kill you. So that's like attempted murder in my land. It's not self-defense. And in reality, he got off. Why did he get off? You know why? Because these DAs can can steer that grand jury if they want to convict or if they want to quit. They can steer the decision of the grand jurors, and that's exactly what happened. I'm very happy about the DA in Brooklyn. Gonzalez did the right thing with this, but this dickhead, Fatso over here, what's his name, your friend? Oh, no, your friend. You voted for him, Alvin Brown. No, no, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he wanted to have this Marine. How classy would that have been for Bragg to say, you know what? We looked at it, and when you present it to a grand jury, bring in all the evidence, bring in the witness, and then say, no, true You know what's funny? I actually had a dream last night. What was your dream? And it wasn't you naked, Bo, this time. (laughs) You've heard those before. I had a dream that Alvin Bragg uh, actually decided not to have, you know, go ahead with charges for Daniel Penny, and that Joe Biden pardoned Donald Trump. And the world was a beautiful well, place. Well, that, that would be a good dream. Yeah. And I woke up. I had problems with my ankles. My ankles have been killing me. So I woke up about six times last. I don't know what's going on down there. Oh, and God. then, you know, you know. Well, you the, got the gout. You have the gout. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't drink anymore because the drinking uh, fires up the gout. Oh. So everybody could call me a teetotaler. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Bo, you're, you're such a, you don't want to drink anymore. No, because when I go to bed, my friggin' ankles hurt. Okay. Now. <laughs> One, here's some good news, and I've been telling you this, Sid, for years. My girl, Madonna. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was a matter of time. Remember I used to tell you when she went to the gynecologist, the gynecologist would, would have to wear a hazmat suit. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> now all of a sudden we find out she's got an interior bacterial infection. Yeah. What took so long, Madonna? Stop banging all those little kids. That's what you got to do. <laughs> all right. Now let's, let's keep this rolling because that scumbag, you saw... You saw oh, that uh, the, the wild and piece salam. of garbage. Ugh. That just shows you. This is what scares me. And I'm, we're going to get into something. I know you're very passionate. Very passionate. Yeah. Sid, look at who got elected. You saw salami. You got to leave it. You got to leave. Hold on. And that's why I'm worried. And I'm worried. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If I could get my moderate Democratic friends and my independents to go into that voting booth and hold their friggin' nose and vote for Donald Trump... I would do it, okay? My point is we have to be able to. And I'm going to grab Donald. I'm going to start show humility, say, you know what? I've done wrong things. I said wrong things. Stay away from McCain. Stay away from all the negative. Just bring in the positive. Why am I running again? Why am I being indicted in every court in the world here? You know why? Because I love this country. And where we're going right now with Biden in the toilet bowl, economy, around the world, defense and everything. And you want to know something? And then I, I play golf with these, with these Democrats, moderates. Oh, I can't vote for Donald. I can't. I'm begging people. Hold your nose. Let's get Donald. I want to grab Donald. I'll go with you. I'll go to your bet, mister. I'll grab Donald. He knows me 40 years. I'll say, what are you doing? You're on the verge of possibility. If you show humanity, humility, and concern, and caring, you can get elected, dickhead. But shut your mouth. Where's his daughter? Well, hold on a second. Why is his daughter well, hiding? Why, Why is everybody hiding I, I'm from not him? sure that calling him a dickhead is going to make it easier. Bedminster for us. What is the matter well, well, hold you? on. You know what? You know me for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I don't hold back. No, and I know. Hey, look at Lachlan. Trump knows that, Look too. at Lachlan. Uh, uh, Lucky Load over Tom there. Cruise. Tom Cruise. And Soros. George Soros. You commie piece of garbage. Is he Lucky Hungarian Sperm or Lucky eater. Load? Which one yeah, is he? Yeah, okay. I don't know. My point is, yeah, I just came to you maybe 50% with Donald. Okay? I know. You're coming. You're coming. You're coming. I'm coming. All, all right. right. But, but don't get blinded by I'm these not stupid sure you polls. you say that if you nickname for your friend. Sid. Sid. <laughs> yeah. Don't get blinded by the Republican polls All right. because they're voting for Donald or DeSantis. I agree with you. He kicks, he kicks the crap out of 50%. He's going to kill him. That, yeah, that's wonderful. I want to kill the nut. I want to kill Biden in the sense that I want to beat him at the polls and destroy him. But, but let me make the football okay. analogy. Okay, please. I don't care who the best team in football is. Only one team gets to play in the Super Bowl. That's it. You could be 14-2 and two all year. If you lose the AFC Championship game, only one team can win the Super Bowl. Donald Trump is the only Republican team that can win the did Super you, Bowl. Did, did, That's you, the bottom line. Right, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. What do you think if I slap Donald Trump in the face? What, what, do you, do you what, do you think, what would happen? No, would he listen more? I think did you would. know? I think did you, you know what Eric? Yes. Ad- did you know what Eric Adams in Greg Olson's apartment? I slapped him in the face one I remember night. That. We were on the you top of New that. York. I said, "This yeah. is your New York. Yes, you're the leader." And I support Eric Adams right now because I'm praying to the good Lord that he reels himself in and protects our city and get rid of all these Julios coming every day. <laughs> Please, I'm not ready. I got I got children wanting free lunches. Let's feed our children in camps. The American oh children, God. let's give them lunch oh, and breakfast. Okay. I'm not worried about all these illegal people. I'm worried about Americans in New York. Okay. America first. Yeah. Donald, you hear me? I'll, I won't hit you that hard. I just got to slap you so you can listen to your friend Bo. All right? Sid has gotten me back halfway back here. Yeah. And there's only one way that you can win 
Mr. Trump, Mr. President Trump, is if that you show the humility, show the compassion, show the love, why you're willing to get indicted in every state in this union, <laughs> and why you're still running. Why are you still running? Because you love True. America. And, and Bowie's but losing tons on. of money. Hold on, but why can't he, instead of knocking this, and oh, I lost the election. Enough with losing the election. You lost. Let's move forward. Let's not even talk about it. Let's move forward. And then you know what? I will come on board. But you got to show humility. You got to show compassion. And you got to show you're not a dickhead. Because you know what they got him labeled as? A Nazi person. And every Democrat, moderate, or liberal, they hate him. You got Republicans that hate him. Let's stop the hate. People who are out there listening, I do agree with Sid. He is our chance. But he has to come around, Sid. We'll go to Ben Mister. If I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna slap him hard. I'm just like <laughs> to get his attention. That's I love you. God, I mean, I love this you. is this is what life is about. When people get concerned, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I do wrong things. I can apologize. I punch a guy out. Yeah. I tell him like yeah. like your uh, producer over yeah. here. Yeah. I was gonna knock him out. Before. Knock him out. Yeah. So if I knocked him out, you know, what I would say to him what? if he woke up. Good. I'd say, you know what? No, I'd say, you know, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. Right. Yeah, if, I love strength yeah. with compassion. Yes. What do you think? 100%. Bo, you're, you're awesome. We love you. You are, <laughs> you're so good. You're so good. You don't even know, you don't even know how good you are. I swear to God. Right Another now. amazing appearance. Oh, hold on. One more. Oh, hold on. Hold one more. more. Stop the damn And stay, stay away from my children with these, uh, uh, what do you call it? Transformer injections. That little girl getting her breast cut off. Leave my children alone with your woke bullcrap. Stay out of my schools. Get away from me. Well done. Uh, Bo is... And leave my pizza places yeah. alone. Two more. And the guess. FBI. And three more now. The FBI. Yeah. Why don't you just start concentrating well, on real nine. criminals yeah. instead of this yeah. bullcrap? Yeah. And those whistleblowers, <laughs> those whistleblowers, they're telling the truth. All right. And you know what? Like Tom Cruise says, one more. if you okay. can't handle the truth, get the hell out of here. Yeah, all right. And that's uh, it. Bo is huge and Happy 4th of July. That was the new man, by the way. Zed coming up next. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. No, I'm on fire today. Look at this. Well, one of those days. You have those days sometimes. No, you do. <laughs> Good thing we're not playing for money. You don't be a house by now. Look at these guys. Who's winning? Uh, you know who's winning. Betty, how are you? Good hey, to see you. Hey, Davey. Mikey, how are you, buddy? How are you, Davey? Good to see sure. you, too. How you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, the heat, it's hot. Other than the heat, I'm doing really, really good. By the way, when Aldo's out there, he wants to talk to you. All right. All right. Ronaldo, that's uh, Andrew Dice Clay. I remember showing up in Sunny Isles the first day. I was scared to death. It was before I did uh, Danny A's movie. It was my first acting opportunity, thanks to Willie. And there was a trailer parked out. And one door said Ronaldo, and the other door said Dave and... Um, well, Chris Romando's character, the uh, character, uh, what the hell's his name again? Uh, Gaetano. Gaetano. And I just couldn't believe that. I was in a trailer next to Andrew Dice Clay, and then 
it all became true. And in the, without getting too uh, long into it, Larry Millian, radio host in Florida, introduced me to Woody DeMeo. DeMeo comes in, sits in with me and Bernie, and he goes, uh, we're talking about his show. I'm from Brooklyn, too. And he said, you know, you got the look. You should, you know, I should put you in the show. And Willie DeMeo is a man of his word. A lot of people say a lot of things to me, especially because I'm famous. I'm big. And uh, he said, he said, I'm going to put you in the show. And he put me in the show. And I'm in five of these nine episodes. Willie is the writer, creator, director, the star. He's a brilliant, talented young kid. His son, Christian, very handsome, by the way, he's got a big role in this show. And the sexiest man alive today by far. I don't want to hear about myself. This guy's got me beat by a mile, Peter Gordio. And uh, he's also got a a, a, a great role uh, in Rocco, right? There you go. In this show. So we got Benny. We got Rocco. Chris, what's your name again? Sammy. Sammy. The stars of Gravesend. Tonight's the red carpet premiere. The question, though, Willie, is are we going to see this on Amazon Prime tomorrow, Monday? Do we know yet? Uh, there's a very good chance. It's, the way it works with Amazon Prime is it can change last minute. That's why we haven't said the exact date, but it, it it's probably going to go live Friday as what we tomorrow the 30th. That's what's yeah. We've been making it safe by saying July, but it, it there's a very good chance it, it'll come wow. out on the 30th. Well, let me uh, first of all, congratulate you because uh, there's a lot of talent on this show. A lot of guys in this room, tremendous amount of talent that you were able to bring to this show. Chaz Palminteri and Vinny and, and Armand and Gina and Fran and Paul and the list goes on and on. But above and beyond that, uh, you write all this stuff. Uh, you star on the show, obviously. You're a Brooklyn kid who made it big. So you have to be feeling great today. Season two, red carpet premiere. You're the man behind all of this. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And you're a Brooklyn guy that made it big yourself. But <laughs> thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, I- I'm beyond grateful. I mean, to live my dream come true and 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 this show is for all of us um you know from Brooklyn all of us everyone that experienced and grew up a certain way i feel like it's it's a pat on the back for all of us and for neighborhoods like you know Morris Park and the Bronx and and Howard Beach and neighborhoods that had a similar uh, upbringing yeah, uh, i'm yeah. i'm very proud that we can show what the real brooklyn was like more I, than I, anything I, I got a neighbor his name is joe ferrante uh maria's his wife beautiful family with two kids he grew up in canarsie uh the Carone brothers frank and anthony Carone, they work with the mayor and uh even curtis sliwa and he's like man sid i love you and that show and that show because people wouldn't believe how it was when we were kids like it's so different today i go back to a neighborhood we filmed that last scene at your, you know, by your parents, and uh, it's still somewhat like it used to be. But so much of Brooklyn has changed, Willie. No. It's not even, not even uh, recognizable. I know, and that—that's what was the challenge for us because we had to bring it back. I can't stand these new air conditioners that people put outside the house. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to rip every one of them down. Oh, that's funny. oh my You're god! Right. All these air conditioners all of a sudden hanging on the outside. I'm like, oh my god! Please, guys. Well, that reminds me of the last scene we shot. So my wife and son come. They'll be there tonight. They're yelling, Gabe. And they don't know what's going on. They're watching. We start the scene with me and Willie walking alone and eventually meet up with all the guys, all the fat mobsters, you know, Tommy and Chris and everybody. Not that Chris is fat. And um, so Danielle's sitting there. She's taking pictures with her iPhone. And Willie stops and goes, no, 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 no. And she's like, what? What did I do? There's no cell phones. This is 1985. Yeah, exactly. So you ought to make sure throughout the whole taping that yes. people, may, you know, stay true to the actual piece of the piece. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, but we had the best locations, and I have to give shout-outs to some people. Like, for instance, like all my friends at the garage 
Who, oh, Anthony's oh, the best. What shooting yeah. there, Anthony and, and Louie, and um, the, the suit that I'm wearing tonight came from them. I get so much support. Spumoni Gardens has given us um, the, the, the two free tickets. Um, they gave meals for us, to people that are one on 103.5. Hollywood Hamilton has really, really yeah, pushed this guy. show yeah. all over KTU. Um, and Panino Rustico, my friend Louie, uh, all these guys. And, and I cannot forget Michael Sullivan, your buddy Michael yeah. Sullivan, Brennan and Carr. He is a gentleman. He's coming tonight. He's time. coming, yeah. yeah. I, I love yeah. you, Mike. You're the best, bro. Just uh, want you to know yeah. it does not go... Um, you are, you are a great guy, bro. Thank he you for you. your support. He was at my son's basketball game last night. Don't forget, he's a guy that really uh, was with all the Sopranos. Jimmy loved him. Tony Sirico was with Michael every day for 15 years. Now he's with Stephen Van Zandt every day. All those guys that you, of course, worked with and loved. That's Sullivan's uh, job and has been for a long time. Chris, uh, this is your father doing all this stuff. You've got a big role coming up. I know in the promos I see you with a gun. You look pretty good with a gun. Uh, what do you think about this uh, new season and what your father's been able to do? I got to tell you, Sid, I am so, so, so excited because it, it's been a process, you know, and people don't understand, you know, this is this show was done independently. And, you know, CAA, with, you know, they're, they're the agency backing us. And just to hear what they've spoken about the show and all the support that we've gotten, it's truly been something surreal. And to, you know, be on set with just great actors like yourself and Peter and my father and Chaz Palminteri, William Force, like all these great actors that came to play. It, it was just, it's just been amazing. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to say thank you to all the crew members, everyone that got behind the project. Thank you all. We wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. I'm a very handsome kid. I got to tell you, I, I, I guess I met you like three years ago. You're getting older. You're getting to <laughs> like a Hollywood movie star. Uh, Peter, you've done a lot of stuff. You know, you were in a Bronx tale and with Willie, by the way, and uh, you've been around this Hollywood seen for a long time you and i have a lot of private conversations we've become very 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 close i love you like a brother and you admit uh, all the time how excited you are about this specific show and where the show can be not just for season two but who knows five years down the road absolutely Sid. you know and i'm honored to be here sitting with each and every one of you here Thank you. and it means a lot to me because we didn't have a premiere for the season one because of covid so now with the with what we're going to have tonight that no one is going to ever see before. And no one knows what this gentleman has been through and so what Chris has been through. You know, they shot 92 days straight, the production. Is that They're right? Tra- transport, right. Transporting cars from Brooklyn to Miami, from Miami back to Brooklyn, getting there at 6.30 in the morning and the last one to leave, and writing and dealing with all different kind of personalities. It's a lot of work what everyone has to go through. And you just have to respect it, and you have to honor it, and you just have to, like you said before, pat each and every one of us on the back. And you've been around a collection of great actors, the Bronx Tale, these other uh, shows you've done, but I think you'd have to admit that season two of Gravesend, you'll be hard-pressed to find a collection of better actors. Oh, it's going to be great, Sid. Yeah. It really is going to be yeah. great. And we're all looking forward to it, just where so we can put it out there and everybody get a yeah, chance to excited. see how hard that we do work. Yes. And, you know, you mentioned COVID, Willie. And I remember the first day I arrived in Miami, and I walked over to Dice. And I had known Dice just a little. He, he forgot, but he was on the radio show a couple of times. And I walked over, went to shake his hand, and he completely turned his back on me. And I go to Chris, and I go, what a dick. I'm like, wow, I heard he was a dick. He really is. And then he actually apologized. He didn't hear me. But he apologized. Later he goes, you know, the, the COVID thing, the COVID thing, the COVID thing. People are wearing masks. And, and by the way, the rest of the day and all weekend long, he was great to me. He became like a real mentor. I love Dice. 
But you ought to do all that. I mean, I flew to Miami that day. I had to wear a mask in the airport, a mask on the plane. How brutal was all that? It was crazy, especially when the union came down and, and was like, everyone has to have masks on set. And it, it, it was it was tough. And let me tell you something about Dice. Dice is, you know, some people don't understand how. Dice is an amazing talent. He is. Dice is a very underrated actor. Agreed. Let me tell you. Although he almost did win an Academy Award for A Star Is Born. He, he yes. And I gotta tell you, I became very close with Dice, another Brooklynite from Sheepshead Bay. Nostrand Avenue and Avenue R. Andrew Silverstein. I know the building very well down the block from Buckley's. Go ahead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, D- Dice shines in this show. He he did an amazing yeah. job, and everyone, Armando Sante. Chaz Palminteri, Sophia Milos, Chris Mamando, Leo Rossi, Bo Deedle. We could keep going. Vic Batetto, Big Time Tommy. We got all these great people, and right. and, and it's and it's and Chuck Zito did a very Chuck good job. Fran Drescher, yep. Fran Drescher, Gino Gershon. Chuck Zito's the man, bro. What better thing is you're gonna get to see Chuck Zito beat up a bunch of people, yeah, bro? Yeah, like you know, this is you know we we know what he's done. In real you know, life. In real same life. Thing. It's the same now thing. on the screen, you're going to see Chuck Zito <laughs> yeah. you know, go to yeah. town on people. Yeah, the other thing which you have to deal with, I love Chuck. You know, right now, uh, all three of you know this, Chris, Peter, and William, the writers are on strike in Hollywood. By the way, what's your uncle's name? Uncle Billy. Hi, Uncle Billy. Nice to see you, buddy. Good to see you. So the writers are on strike, so no one's really doing anything. So we're, we're, in a, we're in a gain here because you take all the work on yourself, Willie. But I know, not just COVID, they come down, they go, listen, need more gays on the set, need more black people on the set, need more this on the set. I talk to writers, directors, and producers all the time. Danny goes through the same thing. They do make life a little difficult for you because you may have a certain man or woman in mind for that role, and sometimes they give you a hard time about that, don't they? Yeah, well, the thing is, that's kind of how the networks are doing things these days. And, and, and we have no problem with any of those, anybody working with anyone. The, the thing is, is that I'd, I'd like to be able to pick the right person for the right. job. Right. And, and we do have, we, we do have diverse casting. We have Mario Cantone, who is amazing, by the I way. I actually got heard I a love rumor Mario. that we did a great job. I heard Mario. that you and Mario are going to be on Rosanna Scotto together. Yes, we are. Yeah. Mario yeah, I, is gay. Yes. But very gay. I don't know about very gay. Very gay. Extremely gay. You measure it now. (laughs) Jesus. But let me tell you, the character he plays, I I just want people to be surprised the the character he plays. Is he gay in the show like Joe Ganiscoli? Yeah, but he's not a wise guy. He's not a wise guy. Yeah, I don't want to give away what happens. I with don't him. give away. Yeah, okay. yeah but yeah. he's he. We don't. Yeah. We didn't pull that stuff. Okay. Like we're not going to make so, a gay so guy a gay. Chris, I'm not going to do that on my show. Do you kill him, Chris? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I did see you have a gun. So I mean, uh, without yeah. giving it away, do you shoot some? Uh, yeah. Well, you'll see all the action. There's a lot of action this season. Um, yeah. I play Leo Rossi's nephew in the show. Oh, and cool. there's a lot of turmoil there. You know, it, I th- I think people are going to be really on their toes every episode. I think it just builds and builds and builds. Yeah. You know, and uh, that, like my father has said in other interviews and stuff like that, you won't know what happened. Like, there are different storylines that are completed at the end. Like, you don't that. know what You happens. tie it together, right? Yeah. That's awesome. And I think the day I shot at the garage, that was a great scene, me, you, and Vic, you were there with Chris, right. and you both had guns. That's all I know. Right. Real guns with real bullets, like Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think your character Rocco gets involved in some uh, serious stuff. Yeah, huh? my character Rocco is pretty um, yeah. pretty intense. You know what the funny thing is about Peter? You're not going to meet a tougher looking guy. This guy is like he's got the biggest heart. He's a marshmallow. 
my kid shows up, he starts to cry. I mean, that's, but I, you've never seen a guy look tougher. So you really are a great actor. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let me tell you about Peter, too. Peter, Peter is so conditioned in the way he, his mindset is. He, 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 he always, he always eats the right way. Yeah. He works out like an animal. Ever since the first, I know this guy, we want to talk about being emotional. We started in the Bronx Tale. The other day, I was at Chaz Palminteri's, the Tribeca Film Festival had the reunion for 30 years. 30 years. 30 wow. years. Yeah. And last night, Chaz Palminteri launched the cigar, Bronx Tale Cigar on Arthur Avenue, and it was great. Man. Awesome. So and, ab- about uh, 60 seconds ago, we've got a wrap. I've got uh, Jason Goldman on the phone. He's the attorney for Jordan Williams. Um, and you guys are both great, Chris and Peter and Uncle Billy. I love you, too. Uh, tell everybody out there, William, uh, why, above and beyond, we already discussed here this morning, why Gravesend Series 2, like you and I talk about, is going to make history. Because I, there's nothing like it right now. Um, humbly speaking, you know, I think people want to start seeing stuff that, that those real old school stories that we used to see, they're, they're gone. And this is, yeah. this is, listen, The Sopranos was amazing and had an amazing run. It was a, the, the, one of the, and I'm honored to be part of that show. Um, I think that there's been a void of that organized crime type of shows that people love. And, and it's, it's not just, and I also want to, emphasize that some people say, you know, the neighborhood wasn't just wise guys, which it wasn't. And I'm not trying to show that. And I'm not glorifying these guys or anything about it. I'm showing a time and the way it was in clubs like Pastels and the way it was cruising in a car, how all those great cars. And we have the best music, guys. Our soundtrack, just wait till you, our soundtrack is, I don't want to even say unbelievable, the music Every episode has hit songs, at least three or four hit songs in every single episode. That's awesome. So, folks, uh, make sure you check it out. Well, I'll give you more details. When I know could be tomorrow, could be Monday, Gravesend Season 2. We're going to party like rock stars tonight. The red carpet premiere, all these tremendous actors, and Willie, and a whole bunch more on Long Island later on tonight. Congratulations, Christian DeMeo. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Congratulations, Peter Gordio. Thank you. And much love and congratulations to you, William. You're a genius. You really are. And uh, this is going to be a shining moment, but many more to come. So thank I, you for coming. I appreciate that. And you're the best. Sid. You're thank all you. hot, bro. I love you, you, bro. I love you, too. You, too, Uncle Billy. We'll uh, <laughs> take a short break, come back, and talk to Jason Goldman about Jordan Williams right after this. Was great. He was a Midwestern boy on his own. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. That's good stuff. The Gravesend guys, big party tonight. Hopefully, we all start this uh, season tomorrow night. Chris Momondo will be in studio tomorrow. He's another great actor and a terrific guy. How about I got Bo back on the Trump wagon? I love that. That's what I remember about today's show most. Pete Morgan's next. Anyway, my next guest is a brilliant young attorney. He really is. You know, we've got Takapina on this show. He's on today in Dershowitz and. Idala, my wife's a great attorney too, with the beautiful Danielle. But Jason Goldman just did a tremendous job. Jordan Williams, Jordan Williams gets to go home as he should. Self defense, took out a guy on a subway who went after him and his girlfriend. They got that one right. Here he is, attorney Jason Goldman. I'll start with congratulations uh, to you. And you got to feel very, very good for your client this morning, Jason. 
Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. I uh, I do feel great for him. Very relieved. You know, it's uh, it's a weird situation, Jason, none of which is your fault. You did your job. You did a great job, and, and an innocent man got off. But why I say it's a weird situation is, while some people celebrate this this morning, others it's kind of bittersweet because they say, but wait a second, what about Daniel Penny? And I know you're probably sick of hearing about the two because there are some differences, but there's a lot more similarities. And Daniel Penny is facing 15 years in prison, and your guy got to go home yesterday. Are you tired of those comparisons, or can you see why New Yorkers may take Jordan as a bittersweet victory? No, I'm not tired of those uh, comparisons at all. I think it's a healthy dialogue to have. Um, I think the cases have a lot of similarities. They have a few differences, but, you know, I, I actually am a little bit more curious now to hear the facts on the Daniel Penny case. I actually rewatched the video last night and saw some things I didn't see the first time around. So I, I think I can understand why that case perhaps was indicted. I think it's a great trial case. I think it's a very winnable trial case for his attorneys. Um, and the Jordan Williams case, quite frankly, should have never survived an indictment, and it didn't. He probably shouldn't have been charged to begin with, um, but it is what it is. I, I can understand how Penny uh, moves forward. I think there's some facts in dispute, and that's what a trial is for. Somebody sent me, oh, Jennifer Harrison, my friend at Victims Rights in New York, sent me a text yesterday. She goes, wow, a tale of two DAs. Here you've got the guy in Manhattan, Bragg, who's uh, an idiot. That's the bottom line. He's a loser. And, you know, he, he, uh, you know, he, he has his targets on certain people's backs. In this case, it's Penny. It's been Trump. And then you got Gonzalez in Brooklyn, who's a much more measured guy, who came up big for you here in this uh, case, Jason. Said he's incredibly measured. He's been my boss. I used to work at the Brooklyn DA's office, and he's been on the forefront, I think, of a lot of policies before they were uh, vogue. And what's most important is he just lets the facts lead themselves. He doesn't play different agendas. He doesn't play to the media. He looks at these cases very clearly. He did it here, and you hit the nail on the head. He's extremely measured. Um, and I have nothing but the best thing to say about him. So what was the first thing, again, speaking to Jordan Williams' attorney, Jason Goldman, who did a really tremendous job on this? And I might you know, he shares space there with Takapina, so you got two pretty good attorneys. They're all good. Chad's good, and Matt is good, too. Uh, what was the first thing your client, Jordan Williams, said to you when, in fact, you got back this decision? He said that he was still processing everything. He said he was relieved, and he repeated again what he said from day one. He said... I wish this never happened. I wish I wasn't in this scenario. And he said, it doesn't feel like a victory because another life is lost. And he literally said those words to me. And it's incredible that he has that maturity when a lot of other people don't. And he realizes this was a tragedy, right? There's another family hurting. You know, we can say what we want about the person that, that died, you know, homeless, deranged. Those things are all true. But, you know, Jordan Williams didn't want to be involved. He didn't want to take a life. And he's got to live with this for the rest of his life. So he's processing it. He's happy, obviously, that he's out of the criminal justice system, that he was out without any bail, that he never went to Rikers Island, and that we won this case in three weeks. He's incredibly relieved, and, you know, he's going to move on to do great, great, great things. Well, you say that, but let's not forget, that maybe if I'm wrong, correct me, but I think you told me last time he got fired from his job at Federal Express. So my next question is, how about suing those bastards? And on top of that, uh, or, or they come back and apologize? Has, been, has there been any, any talk between FedEx and your client? There hasn't yet. I wanted to focus him on the criminal case and keep all of our energy and efforts there. Now that that's over, yes, today we're going to turn our attention to, you know, perhaps if there's recourse against the city, perhaps if there's recourse against FedEx, just make him whole again. Let him move on with his life, whether that's a settlement, whether that's an apology, whether that's getting his job back. 
I don't have those answers yet, but, you know, the recourse comes next. You know, when you're facing a criminal prosecution and you're a defendant, that's where the sole focus is and everything else comes next. So um, you're right. We're going to go after them, you know, to some extent. They fired him immediately for defending himself, for being an innocent individual. They fired the guy. Right. No, listen, the, the fact is, whether it's your client, Jason, Jordan Williams, or my friends, Thomas Knipp and Steve Razor's client, Daniel Penny, What's been on trial in New York, which is really gross, it's gross, has been self-defense and the ability for New Yorkers, uh, big, strong guys, Marines, to stand up, whether it's a girlfriend or a complete stranger, which New Yorkers don't do enough of. And when you arrest people like your client and Daniel, and now Daniel's facing 15 years in prison, I got news for you. I'm a pretty big guy. I'm not going to help. I'm serious. Why, why would I help? I know, I, I know, and it's unfortunate. And you know what's interesting is the jury in the Jordan Williams, the grand jury, they actually did not indict him or charge him with a weapon either, which is really interesting because from a legal standpoint, um, perhaps that, that could have been a different result. And that goes to show the temperature um, of individuals, as we kind of spoke about last week, and I've made reference to other people asking me about using mace or pepper spray or a knife. They actually didn't charge him with possession of the knife itself. And I thought that that was a very interesting, telling result. I got to tell you, Jason, uh, I'm proud of you. It's a big deal. I don't know if you realize. I think you do, but for New Yorkers, because a guy just won a trial based on self-defense. So you give us some hope. You give us some hope. We can go out there and do what's uh, what's right. So congratulations, first, to your client, Jordan Williams. Secondly, to you for doing a tremendous job here. All of New York is appreciative. Now go get this guy some money from FedEx, and uh, we'll talk again very, very soon. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for squeezing me in this morning, Sid. Let's talk soon. You got it. Great job. Jason Goldman. What a great job, huh? Young attorney and Jordan Williams is going home, as he should. And hopefully, with the help of Knip and Razor, Daniel Penny will be next. Hey, that's a heck of a show. Lou Rapino, fantastic. Obviously, uh, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden. My main man, Peerless Boilers, Tankless Water Heaters, the great Pete Morgan. Way to go, Pete. Thank you, bro. Thank you very much. And, of course, all of our guests. We'll do it again tomorrow morning at 6. Until then, see you in Floral Park later on tonight. Gravesend about to come your way. Talk tomorrow, folks. Peace.